kids behind the bus time. From the NHRL studios in Norwalk, Connecticut, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the bots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Jake. And today on the podcast, we're recapping the August 2023 NHRL qualifier with 12-pound champion Jake Hoffman. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. And if you're listening to yourself and thought maybe that sounded a little weird, it's because Stitcher is no longer on our list. Uh, They have officially closed as of this week, which is really sad because that's what I use to listen to podcasts. So RIP Stitcher. Um, But you can still follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics news. I have four news items for you today. First up, catch live robot combat this weekend in Pennsylvania, Georgia, and at two events in the UK. In the UK on Saturday, it's time yet again for RoboNerd, a very cool live event where you can meet builders from Robot Wars and BattleBots and take photos with multiple heavyweights from TV and the live circuit. They'll be fighting antweights and beetleweights, plus running soccer robots at the Gatehouse Hungry Horse Pub in Wolverhampton. On Sunday in the UK, they'll be fighting 30-pound sportsman robots at the Left-Handed Giant Brewery in Bristol. On over to Pennsylvania, where they'll be fighting beetleweight sportsmen and 12-pound sumo bots at the Wyoming County Fair in Mishapin on Saturday. But the big event this weekend, at least here in the U.S., will be Robot Battle 71 at DragonCon, one of the longest-running combat robotics competitions on the planet. They began running competitions in 1991, three years before the very first Robot Wars in San Francisco. Robot Battle 71 will be running all weekend long in Atlanta with ants and beetles running on Sunday and 12s and 30-pounders running on Monday. Check out details on these events and more at robotcombatevents.com. An update now to a story we brought you two weeks ago. Tombstone Captain Ray Billings bought an electronics workbench from Bob McGee's Machining Company, the machine shop that has built every giant nut since 1999. Ray said he wanted to own a small piece of the shop, which had been running as a family business for more than 50 years in the Bay Area. On over to Norwalk, Connecticut, where NHRL plans to run 11 qualifying tournaments across the United States in 2024, with up to six events happening outside Connecticut. This, according to NHRL's latest AMA livestream, held last week on YouTube. The league will run its annual NewBots event in January and plans to hold its 2024 championship somewhere in the East Coast, but not in Norwalk. Check out the live stream on NHRL's The Ocho channel. I want to pause here. I know that uh, Chris and Lindsay, we tuned in to the AMA. Uh, thoughts on this new expanded uh, schedule for next year? I, uh, I'm, I'm really into this idea of bringing uh, national, the Havoc Robotics League, to a national level and giving some folks that we already know have, you know, a difficult time making it all the way up into the Northeast into one of the more expensive, you know, regions of the country. You know, you can't necessarily just fly directly into Norwalk. You're flying into New York or uh, Boston and you are, you know, commuting, essentially renting a car, doing something. And then it's very expensive to stay in Norwalk uh, if you don't uh, really get on top of a good deal uh, or if you don't book out far enough, which is really hard to do in combat robotics because you just you don't know if your bot's going to be ready and a part's not going to come or something like that. So if we uh, if we do 
uh, build a, a new presence in, in different regions where especially some are more accessible for, let's say, student builders or, or, or folks that uh, don't like have that uh, cash line around to just make a huge trip up to the Northeast. This is, this is going to be awesome and it's going to bring in new people and, you know, ultimately it's going to make a stronger league. Now, Jake, as someone who drives 10 plus hours to get to Connecticut, is there a city that you'd like to advocate for now that uh, you have the ear of Kelly Biederman now on this podcast? <laughs> well, I'd love to see Norwalk Havoc renamed to Ohio Havoc Robot League, but I don't know if that was quite in the plans yet. Uh, in seriousness, though, being able to, for example, I've got something that I'd like to test out before finals, but it's a, a little stressful to go 10 hours to uh, September to try that out. Um, being able to test a prototype of a design and a lower stress environment that, you know, the stakes aren't as high. That's very attractive to me as a builder. Oh, I fully anticipate these like six events to be just cutthroat. Uh, I mean, I feel like oh. there's, so it's like, <laughs> It's almost like um, I, I feel like there's a, this so much pent up demand across the nation where like I, I I feel like worst case scenario, we create 11 events and the same 157 builders like show up to all of them. And like they just start and flying from Connecticut to, you know, uh, the West Coast, for example. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I actually think there's some very, very, very cool robots, really great builders that are sprinkled all throughout the country. And you're gonna seek out your your local events. We we may we may also give priority registration. Now I'm speculating, wild speculation here. We we may give priority registration to uh, local builders or new bots that are um, more local to these events, just to I don't know prevent you from seeing the exact same roster, but just at incredible personal expense to uh to the builders from from the East Coast. Um, I am really excited about, I mean, it looks like with 11 qualifiers in the finals that it's basically one event a month, which is cool. I think that that is a great cadence and maybe that'll take some pressure off of registration, but also just grow the league a whole ton more if we can build up these local local presences, you know, in, in leagues across the country. And now I, I missed the live stream um, just to recap. Are there going to be 44 robots qualifying then if 11 qualifiers will still be the top four? I think so. Wow. Yeah. And I, I think so. That makes the final yeah. field much larger, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think so. I mean, I, I haven't heard I, anything yeah. to, to the contrary. Um, and Kelly did say on the, the live stream that she thinks that the finals will be held on the East coast, but not in Norwalk, which suggests that we might be finding a larger venue that's special for that one day. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're renting out a bigger space. We're putting it inside of a airplane hangar or a convention center or something like that, sure. um, which would be really awesome. Yeah. And maybe that'll kind of hold more, um, more robot builders. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a big, big field. I wonder, and I don't remember this from the live stream, um, and I imagine that they're still working on this, but with five or six qualifiers outside of Norwalk, I wonder if those all will be in different locations, which seems like a logistical nightmare for them, but a dream for builders. Or will it be like, and obviously I don't have any insight into this, but like five or six events on the West Coast. 
Oh. Or like yeah. two, two, and two, West oh, Coast, yeah. Central, Florida, you know? Yeah. yeah. It'll be really interesting to see how they do that because I, I can imagine, like, if all of the um, other outside of the Norwalk qualifiers are in, like, one place, there could be, like, a rivalry between, like, West, again, I'm just making up West Coast, but, like, West Coast NHRL and East Coast NHRL. There, there are a ton of just interesting, outstanding questions about 2024 that, you know, like, I mean, it's, they, they obviously don't bring in the announcers to like help them strategize this kind of stuff. Cause why would they, you know what I mean? Like, um, but you know, um, are these going to be special one day events or are we opening up more locations like permanent facilities? I don't know. Um, I think the dream everyone's dream is to see a second NHRL facility somewhere, uh, maybe even bigger than the one that we have now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think like, like open sauce was such a success and they felt confident they can bring this on the road and yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, but I have total faith that the team can do it. I mean, they are capable of doing really hard things and it's amazing that we're going to have a live stream perhaps once a month, and you're never going to be more than a couple months away from your nearest um, NHRL qualifier, which would really kind of um, democratize access to, to the league, which is really cool. Um, cool. So very exciting stuff. And uh, I think I think they said they're going to announce the dates and locations within the next month. So perhaps at the September event. So stay tuned for that. And finally, the Combat Robotics community came together to add six robots to the Combat Robot Hall of Fame this year. The dominant big-wheeled Vert Huge was voted into full membership after capturing more than 50% of this year's ballot. Another five robots entered as honorable mentions, picking up at least 25% of the votes on the ballot. That included the heavyweight hydraulic flipper Hydra and the giant nut-winning Sawblaze. In the Beatles, that included Droopy and Lynx, and Jameson Goh's 30-pound version of Sawblaze, Megatron. Voting will open up again in the year 2025. Any thoughts on this year's inductees? Droopy, Lynx, Megatron, Sawblaze, Hydra, huge. Is that uh, the first time... Well, no, because Silent Spring has been inducted before, right? But is this the first time there have been so many Beatles? Oh, wow. Yes, yeah. Thagomizer's an ant. Yeah, it's a one pound. Yeah, a lot of a lot of beetles on the list, and just like the ascent of Lynx and Droopy, and like combat robotics pop culture is really cool. Um, you know, like. Uh, there are also a lot of robots that have come through NHRL. Um, and like that has been really cool because traditionally Combat Robot Hall of Fame has mm. had a very heavy like Robot Wars like bent to it, like a real prejudice for BattleBots, both classic and, and modern, just because that was the thing that most people were watching. But now I feel like we're seeing a lot more uh, spotlight being put on Beatles and smaller, smaller robots through, through NHRL and their social media. 
it'd be interesting to see like in in the next you know year or two uh how much the smaller weight classes could potentially catch up as far as nominees go because you know ultimately at the uh, at the end of the day battlebots has a limited roster right they invite 50 teams and though that's like 50 uh, potential spots for new exposure for for bots some you know half the field they've obviously been there before and they're you know uh, household names at this point maybe another quarter of them uh, have had a few showings at least and you know and then you'll have your your ones that kind of come out of uh out of nowhere and then you know so really there's like just a very core number of heavyweight bots that could be nominated uh any given year whereas like the sport of combat robotics this is this is totally outside of NHRL as well. So think about like all the competitions worldwide that are happening. You know, there is just so many more bots and the way that people digest combat robotics is also like continuing to grow. Sure, you can watch it on HBO Discovery, uh, but you know, <laughs> you'll see now combat robotics recap fights on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube, and they're getting some in some cases millions and millions and millions of hits, and that's actually creating a tremendous amount of brand recognition for some of the bots in these later weight classes. And you know, I, I could really see that kind of influencing future votes uh, as the community continues to grow. I mean, for me, like I, I think to my own journey as a combat robotics fan. Um, like I was a fan, then I became a super fan. And I remember there was a time in my life pre NHRL where I would show up to a competition like Motorama and I would walk straight past the Beetle Box. Like just, I had no idea like the names of any of the robots. I didn't know any of the storylines and it just looked like chaos, like two kind of tiny white robots going at it. And it looked like chaos. And it was like, it's very cool that a robot like Lynx, which has been so incredibly dominant in the Beatles for so long, is finally getting uh, getting recognized for that. And I think a big part of that is just this totally renewed interest in the Beatles, uh, just as, as a general weight class. It's fun to watch. It's really destructive. People have favorites. People have strong opinions about it. There's a like it's it's just gripped the imagination of of the combat robotic super fans, which is really, really cool. And I fully expect 12s and 30s to also do that, you know, like, um, and I, I think that that is, it's, it's really, really due to kind of like these huge live streams and these just mega multi-million view um, social media shorts that, that we're producing. Um, so yeah, there we go. Okay, cool. Well, that's it for this week's news. Um, all right, we're going to be back after the break with our recap of August NHRL with Jake. This week on the podcast, we have a very special first-time guest, Maximizer Captain Jake Hoffman. Jake is a graduate student at the University of Cincinnati and broke onto the NHRL scene in a big way in 2022 with the debut of his short-lived 12-pounder, Doomba. He returned in 2023 with Maximizer, which just won its second Golden Dumpster for the year, going undefeated in its last two competitions in a row. We're looking forward to breaking down all of the action from August NHRL in the hour ahead. So welcome to the show, Jake. How's it going? It's a pleasure to be on. I did okay at the last two competitions, so oh. I'm happy to be here. Jake, I I am so excited <laughs> that you're here. Yeah. Um, 
You're one of my favorite NHRL builders. You have such an infectious energy about you. Um, I will never forget our very first conversation ever. Um, <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm up there in the pits. It's like a Friday night, and I'm talking to you. And I, yeah, I just met you for the first time, and you're like, I've, I've driven like 12 hours straight, and I'm ready to fight <laughs> right now. Like you just looked like just ready to kill, you know. And you're like, I, I've been, I've been watching, been watching videos. I, I cannot wait to get into the box. Like I just want to, I want to start right now. And like, um. It was just cool. It was just really cool to just see that that energy. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I feel like I feel like like I don't know. It's I'll I'll say like just kind of like like backing up a little bit. Like um, when I think of like cool college kids, like I think mm-hmm. of you. You know, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, a lot of a lot of other. <laughs> I wouldn't cool, go that far, but cool college kids. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. to myself, like, how did we capture the attention of cool college kids? You know what I mean? Like. Like how, like what, what is it about the competition that like kind of caught fire with like all of these different colleges? Um, like mm-hmm. I go up there and I'm just like, this is, it's, yeah, I feel like I'm just at like a, a science fair or something. There's so many like young people in their twenties, super smart people. And they're, a lot of them are from colleges, probably 20 or 30% of the pits are from colleges, you know, like as a cool college student, you know, like what is it about NHRL that like is, is appealing? So, okay. So the. I've only been doing this for about two years, so I still personally consider myself very much a rookie when you look at people. I mean, I was talking to Pete Covert, and he said the word 2004, which I, I don't remember. And then um, so the, so how I got into it was uh, we have senior design projects in the I was in the mechanical engineering technology program at the University of Cincinnati here. And the project that was uh, two of my good buddies came to me and said, Hey, we want to do battle bots as our senior design project. And I'm like, I, I don't really know about that. You know, I, you know, I, I don't get it. And then I kind of just, as the project started and as it progressed, I just slowly fell more and more in love with it. Just the whole design process. It was kind of the first time where I had real creative freedom with my platform you know, it was, we were starting from scratch. You had, we opened CAD and we had nothing. And so being able to, you know, that there's VEX, there's first robotics. And with all that, there are platforms that you have to start on. Um, you're limited to the VEX product line. Oh, we could put anything in this mm. battle bot. And that yeah. idea that drove the design was, was I think one of my, what caught me at first so then i started watching the tv show around january of 2022 and then um as the senior design progressed uh we we had our uh presentation to the uh to the university we did well at our tech tech expo which is a big science fair with all the senior design projects and then it was a competition. So we had worked six months to go to this local 15 pound competition. And uh, we went we went three and one or one and three. Sorry, we won one, lost three. And it's like, dang, we just worked six months and got destroyed by like high schoolers. And so I was like, ah. Yikes. Well, I, I'd like to do that again, you know, like, and, and like, 
walking out of it, I was like, that was not everything I wanted it to be. <laughs> and so when I when I learned about NHRL and I think what you were seeing in November was me being like, okay, this is what it's supposed to be. Like this is the amount, you know, the people, the builder, just the builders, the bots, everything. Um, so you were kind of seeing that entire year of desire for something greater and the work that had gone into it kind of come to a head that Friday night after like 12 hours of driving. And so, yeah, that's, that's where my head was at. Uh, I got my robot back there, but yeah. So good memories. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's the origin. I I'm I'm going to slip in like a couple of my own questions before yeah. we get to the very many like fan questions. But yeah, um, absolutely. So, like what did you learn after that first competition? Like what did what did Doomba teach you oh. like when you brought it to NHRL? Oh, uh so, so well so there was the 15 pound competition in the spring and um my my only kind of design experience before that was from 3D printing. I was a hobby 3D printer kid, um, like so many of us were um, back in the early, mid-2015. So I built my first combat robot like a 3D printer, uh, which is really bad, Uh, really, (laughs) really bad. Um, It used, and for the builders listening, they're all going to cringe when I say this, the whole thing was held together with M3 hardware, which is like standard on 3D printers, but like not not robots like the the weapon itself was held together with m3 hardware so that was the the biggest change was quarter 20 everything like we're not we're not doing that again um so i guess the biggest thing that i learned from the nhrl uh november and talking to builders is i picked up that my ability to succeed in the sport was directly tied to how quick I could pick up on what everyone else was doing. How quickly could I observe, think deeply about why someone was doing something. And at that point I had kind of entered the NHRL discord and I was able to communicate with people in a way where I could intake what they were thinking, put myself in their perspective and then turn that into my own design. Um, So the I mean the most critical part of November, like looking back on it, was meeting Sean. I met Sean with Minimizer. I was like, that thing is awesome. Why did you do it like this? You know, why, why, why? Just keep pulling at, you know, kind of the string of the thought line until you kind of unravel their design ethos. And um in doing that, that that has been one of the most helpful skills that I've been able to develop through the sport, um, not just as an engineer and a designer, but, you know, personally. Um, anyway, so, so looking at the team defective bots was very helpful. Um, looking at Minimizer especially was very helpful. Sean had a vision for a robot that could be unbeatable. Um, and I, I kind of latched onto that (laughs) for competitive reasons, um, a a robot that, that truly could counter everything and be everything at once. Um, 
and so going home after that competition and, and kind of considering that I, I designed a Doomba version three and I said, this had the same fundamental er- errors that the horizontal spinners, it looked, it looked a lot like hot leaf juice. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that version three of that robot. And I, I never built it because I said I had to really, th- you know, and be honest with yourself about, you know, why you're doing certain things um yeah so yes that's been the biggest learning curve is is the adjustment and thought um i think above anything else it's really cool yeah Yeah. i mean it's it's funny like uh to think that your first dining trial was only nine months ago and you already have two golden dumpsters that's pretty cool yeah um yeah and and you're going into these competitions with incredibly stacked rosters. Like, you know, yeah. when you you're up against Cthulhu and super scope and, you know, you've got to yeah. fight your way through voxel and you've got, you've got prom kind of lurking, you got, you know, psycho is waiting for you in November, you know, like know. it's just, it's crazy. <laughs> like the level of competition in the 12s is very high. Look, I've, I've heard that actually some people call it Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, listen some people have have little speech impediments that's okay right? <laughs> um it's cthulhu with the hard k all right um okay <laughs> um i want to get into like uh the questions that the fans <laughs> sent in from the nhl discord um and i want to oh, start man. with some really good questions from boreon builder and uh, as of this week local tv star brandon bennett young um who writes hey jake i really enjoyed the progress you've made on your machines and the care you put into building them. I'm hoping to build an all-new Demi-Gorgon for 2024, so hoping I'll see you in the box. Winky face emoji. What would you Uh-oh. say is the goal that Maximizer wants to reach? Is it to become the perfect Thagomizer? Was the dream to always become an amer- apparel salesman and Maximizer is the best <laughs> way to launch it? Or perhaps was it something even grander? So what is the goal of your robot? Well, yes, my my interest is battle bots but my passion is selling t-shirts so maximizermerch.com uh first off seeing brandon without a hat on this morning on tv was one of the most jarring things i've ever seen i didn't realize that i had never seen his hat (laughs) before seeing it on tv but um he did a great spot this morning um it's online somewhere um yeah so what is the goal for maximizer yeah i stated earlier that like sean's vision was a robot that could be truly unbeatable um i think uh my my interests with the design are so diverse and i've built a platform where i can kind of expand on itself um the the only thing that holds the tail on are two uh half inch bolts that are five inches apart so anything that fits that whole spacing i can actually put on there so after seeing fusion success in january february i think a vertical spinner modular for the back would be horrifying um just as a as a statement um i'm curious in a shorter tail um currently the tail is the same it's actually the same um front to back distance as minimizer was um but my weapon is smaller which leaves me a bit more exposed um and with how aggressive i drive it um i think a shorter tail might be beneficial um 
even as an option. Um, so I want to keep the platform robust, modular, um, and something interesting to build on. Um, I think I can do all those things with it, um, which I really love. Um, the thing that I'm looking into right now is a 90 degree gearbox for the back. Um, currently I use a really undersized motor, which is a 5212. It's super flat, um, which allows me to fit the, the maximizer is only an inch and a half thick through the core, which is a really tight area to get a motor in. A vert has no problem because you're spinning up. A horizontal has to spin sideways, so you can either tilt the motor or have some sort of gearbox 90 degree. Um, so I'm working on that. I'd like to give that a shot at finals. I'm very interested in it. Um, and it could lead to even more powerful horizontals, which is tons of fun for everyone. What I what I feel like I'm hearing is that uh, you're you're gunning for the golden breath this year. Like uh, you, you, you want to take home the 2023 12 pound. <laughs> so I someone said maximizer psycho, and that has shot through my head as a nightmare scenario because the only way that that happens will be uh, Jameson is ahead of me after this event, so he'll be the one seed and I'll be the two seed. So if I've got my mat bracket ology right, the only way that we're going to see each other is going to be in the finals. Mm-hmm. And that is a nightmare scenario. <laughs> That's a nightmare scenario. Uh, I think, I think, uh, I don't know about this year. We'll see. I don't know about this year. Maybe next year though. <laughs> there you go. There. Um, Brandon, Brandon's got two other questions. Oh yeah. From when you first heard about combat robots to now, how has your view slash perspective on the sport changed as a whole? So like think back to when someone was like, hey, you should fight robots. And you're like, what is that? And then now holding two golden dumpsters at home, you know, like how has your perspective changed on the sport? I didn't understand how big it was until I was in it. I did not understand how big of a deal BattleBots was. I did not understand how big of a deal. I didn't even know NHRL existed until about, I mean, a year ago. Mm-hmm. So going from, I, 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 I didn't really watch BattleBots as a kid, um, unlike a lot of people. Um, so I'm very late in my journey as far as like you know this there's so many people who started in high school so what is what has changed is um as far as my designing and my thought process is my uh how robust i want to make things um my design uh sorry i'm blanking on the word just just how robust that i make things and yeah you know the hardware i I, i'm not gonna put words into your mouth but i'll say that what i often find with people who come to nhl for the first time is that they underestimate how difficult it is yeah Um, yeah they they watch it on tv i mean we we see armchair kind of builders all the time where they're like oh yeah no it's I, i i know how to build like a giant nut winning robot i, I could win a golden <laughs> dumpster that's no problem you know like um like really really talented engineers who know how to build all sorts of things 
and they mm-hmm. come to their first event, they go zero and two, or they go one and two, or something like that. And it's just like it's a pretty rude wake up call that like this is super intense. People like are very smart, and they are thinking like all the way down to like the millimeter, down to the gram about like um, the design choices they're making, and like yeah. it is it is it is very tough to go home with a golden dumpster. Um, like if you can do it, like it's a really big deal. Yeah. Well, so yeah, that that second fight so i fought herbie in my first fight and then i fought promheta in that second fight it's still the second fastest tap out in our knockout <laughs> in 12 so going home and thinking okay i need to figure out a way to beat that that was the best learning tool that i've ever gotten thank you zach who i've beaten now so we're two and two against each other um going home and sitting down in CAD and thinking I need to build something that needs to beat that hit. Like if I can do that, then I've got a very good shot at being able to do this. And it took me a while. I mean, it took me, uh, you know, I sat down from November to uh, March of last year and really designed a robot that I thought could beat that. I have a tail that never got ran because I saw it. I said, that's not up to snuff. I'm going to make it thicker and tougher and, you know, all those things in order to, you know, win that fight. I'm, I'm glad you stuck with it. You know, um, I, I, we, we were talking about this like uh, two weeks ago after the event, but uh, there, there was a builder who we talked to after, um, after his first NHRL, they will remain nameless uh, because they came to one NHRL and never came back. Oh, oh my God, Lou. They were, they were sitting at, dinner across like they just happened to be the table across from us and he was saying you know i i got knocked out of the competition by jameson go and silent spring and obviously didn't say it like that but you know that's what happened and um (laughs) he was saying um you know if it wasn't for that weight bonus i i I could beat him and uh we were just looking at him like like oh 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 you sweet summer child go back to where you're from and <laughs> keep keep stomping these these poor little uh kids in in your hobby shop uh parking lot you know and like you know um because he he was he was just like he was like i'm never coming back I, i'm never coming back because of the weight bonuses and it's like no dude you gotta you you gotta respect <laughs> you gotta respect like the mountain that that is here like yeah. you got you gotta stick with it and you know, like climate, just like everybody else. Cause like, if, if you don't take it seriously, like it's very, very, very difficult to, to win. Um, and you, you really yeah. don't know how hard, how hard your, your robot runs and like how hard it hits and everything until you come and really test it against the best. Yeah. Um, let's see. Okay, good. Um, and then last question from Brandon, what are some other designs you want to try if you get the bandwidth? <sighs> I'd love to throw a vert on the back maximizer just because I thought I think it would be hilarious, but it would gyro because of the the space. The wheels are so narrow, it would want to tilt up on end. But I, I would totally want to do a vert in the 12 pound class. Um, they just look like tons of fun. I've only ever built horizontals. So my first robot, 15 pound, was a horizontal. Second robot was a horizontal undercutter. And then this guy, obviously horizontal. So I, I want to hit hard, harder, <laughs> and and I get jealous when I see a vert roof somebody. That's tons of fun. 
<laughs> so I want that. <laughs> but uh, we've got two quick questions here from Copperhead team member Chad New. Uh, what products do you use to keep your hair so fabulous? And have you had any Long Island iced teas? Oh, uh, uh, it's not enough Long Island's iced teas and uh, Suave from Kroger and Sea uh, <laughs> <C> Spray. <laughs> nice. So there, there you go. I hope okay. those products help Chad with his hair. With all his hair. Yeah, hair. exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen, I'll, I'll speak on Chad's behalf. We're not offended. It's okay. Okay, right. okay. Listen, live, live, live your big hair life. What? All right, Jake. Okay. I, I used to have big hair. It was wonderful. Okay. And uh, you know what? <laughs> It's, it's I'm filled with envy right now. It's all good. Um, okay, Ice Chest from Repro, Reprogram Robotics wants to know, Maximizer mm. looks really hard to drive. How do you drive so effectively? Tons and tons of practice. If you go back and watch uh, my clips from March, you can see that I'm very much like, I I'm learning to toddle with the bot. Like, it's very, you know, I, I look like a toddler when I'm driving it. And then the only difference from March to May is I change the tail slightly and I practice driving it for about two months where I, we built a test floor here at UC that was 12 foot by eight foot. And I just drove it around and hit targets. Um, being able to put that robot exactly where it needs to be um, is it's key, I think, and, and to, to obtain the vision of the undefeatable robot. Um, I, my, my goal for accuracy is I want to be able to hit a one inch target within a 25 degree, or excuse me, a, a, a 90 degree, 25% of the circle diameter. So, mm. and, and that's based on what the action of the, blade is doing um i've got a cutting side i've got a pushing side and i've got a kind of a uh my, my longest side which is uh kind of pushing around but it's that very tip um that's the largest hit zone um so being able to hit that small of a target with that uh distance of the arc path of the blade i think is the key to like actually driving the robot properly. I got kind of close this time with fighting um, my first fight, Honey Shock. I think I'm at about 20 to 25% of what this robot can actually be driven at. I think cool. it can be driven at a significantly higher level. So how do I drive it so effectively? I don't think I do. To answer the question, I think it's got a much higher skill overhead of of what I think it could be and what I have in my vision of what it could be. So yes, it is very hard to drive. I don't think anyone's good at driving them. <laughs> I have to say, uh, I remember at the May event, I think it was Mr. Coakley, uh, Owen and Corey's dad. Is that who was <laughs> Probably. there? Probably. He we had chatted a little bit uh, at an earlier event and then he, we were chatting again in May and he was saying like with actual tears in his eyes, like how much you had practiced in between those events 
and like how focused you were on improving your driving and like just like the pride in his eyes it was so it made me cry (laughs) it was so sweet and uh um yeah, I mean, it, it clearly shows. And also, shout out to him because he is like the nicest man. <laughs> yes, shout outs. Shout. Well, he he initially when I said I was drive practicing, he he had an eyebrow raised to that. And he's like, <laughs> "Why?" And I'm like, "Cause it's fun." And then I I think that was you were seeing him kind of connect. Oh, that's that's why. That's oh, why. That's yeah. why. So that's cool. Um, but you're going when you go to NHRL, you're going up against the best of the best. I have two years of experience. There are people like Team Defective who have been doing it for seven, eight years now. How am I supposed to hold the flame to that in such a short period of time? Um, my ability to succeed in the sport in the design and the driving is how quickly I can catch up to that bar, um, how quickly I can match that. And, uh, that's what I needed to do. I I felt that that was what I needed to do. So there you go. Got a related question about the drive from, uh, Alex Pitt, who runs Zane. Uh, Alex wants to know. The wheels on Maximizer aren't parallel. How does that affect your different maneuvers and how does it affect Mm. driving straight forward? Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Maximizer has a six degree toe in uh, that pushes the center of rotation back closer to the center of mass, allowing me to turn quicker. Um, It improves the center of mass to center of rotation by about 20%, which is significant. Um, Even between my different plow configurations throwing on a heavier front plow allows me to spin faster you see me prefer to run the i prefer to run my beak which is my anti-horizontal plow i ran it against swagmore and honeyshock um it's heavier and it throws that center of mass so close to that center of rotation that it's you know much easier to hit flick hits um so how does that affect how it drives it oversteers horribly if I need to turn 90 degrees, I barely touch my stick. I mean, it is the tiniest, subtlest motion, and then I wait for the whole tail to run around. Um, it's it's It oversteers horribly. And if you watch my fights where I lose my wheels, uh, this, this previous event, I lost my wheels basically every event, or basically every fight. Um, you can see it oversteer even worse and get really drifty. Um, is uh, I've been considering that that design decision. If I go with a shorter tail, I would be removing that um, in order to help out with the turning. Um, though I I think I may keep the toe in a little bit because it does help with driving straight. Um, cars have toe in to keep them going down the road straight on one path because you've got a force from the left and a force to the right that are even that are pushing you along the road so it drives straight to answer the question drives straight really really well um and and because it's so long it's like a dart um so it drives straight really well it's the turning that that affects it but i hope that answers the question yeah yeah um i really like this question from uh youtube star i guess fellow youtube star, <laughs> uh, you know who sells uh ssp kits he's sold just uh, sold just a million of these uh so far on uh, his website just because robotics um 
Seth wants to know, hey, Jake, what made you decide to start a YouTube channel? Do you have any particular goals in mind with it? And what I want to do is just add on to that a little bit. Um, like I've watched your event recaps and your build videos, and they are yeah. so fantastic. Um, Thank you. I, you know, like as super fans, we watch all of the build videos from basically all of the builders and yours are just so like easy to understand, funny, like, um, like snappy and, uh, just super watchable. Like I, I click on it immediately as soon as I see the link, um, come through (laughs) and, um, they're great. Um, so, uh, keep on, keep on doing the good work thank you so like what are what what are your goals for your for your youtube channel as far as goals um i i don't really i i just want to make like enjoyable like content that i like to watch like i i think i have to watch the video so many times when i edit it so like having to re-watch it like that's why I put my own music behind it is because I don't want to sit there. I want to listen to my music. Um, it, as far as like, why did I start it? And, and you know, why do I want to continue with it? Um, is there are so much thought that is put into these robots between the events that gets lost. Um, and so I wanted to capture a little bit of that and bring that forward. Um, I, I also, I worked in a makerspace over the summer um, and it was not very busy. So that allowed me to shoot film video and then edit it um, and send it out. I love being able to communicate my ideas. And when I build things, I definitely, it, for me, it's a group effort. Like, as much as it's me designing things, I'm always thinking about what would this person say about this? Let me throw this in the Discord and let me read what other people have to say because it's it's so much more interesting to me that way. You get so many... I mean, the odds that you have the best idea are so small. It's, there's no, there's no way. So, so respecting that and being able to send your ideas out there and take that criticism has been so helpful to me, um, both in the discord with just little pictures of what I'm working on. And then also the YouTube channel was kind of the next progression from that. So there you go. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember your, your most recent video, the, the one where you, I don't know. Showed that you burned your your arm. I'm I'm looking at it right now on, yeah. on the video. Um, I I threw it up on our TV. My girlfriend was sitting on the couch playing Candy Crush, and she like looked up from the phone. She's like, "This guy's like really easy to understand. Like he's really clear." And I was like, "Oh, that's like like the best compliment you can give for like a robot build video." Because like, um, she was just like, "Yeah, I totally understand exactly what he's talking about." You know, um, which was cool. So, uh, yeah, I also get the uh, Jackie DeSico, uh a seal of approval. So that's good. That's um, great. <laughs> that's that's a really high bar. That's awesome. <laughs> We've got a bunch of questions. Desicos, we don't just go ahead and put our seal on anything. <laughs> that's true. Uh, we've got a lot of questions about uh, MaximizerMerch.com. Um, Chris, Chris and Lindsay and I, we, we went with a bunch of other uh, of, of our friends from NHRL to uh, a local 
uh, indie ro- um, wrestling competition this uh, this past weekend. And Red Sawyer, who is just like is our unofficial hype man at NHRL, just like really he gets the crowd going in these crazy chants. Like the the other day, um, at August, he started the chant. Um, sweep that box sweep that box because like they they were in there sweeping the box i was just like oh i love this guy um he was wearing a maximizer t-shirt at the competition and it just like looked so cool i don't know like it's like it's like a band tee or something you know what i mean like um like i feel like no shade to our many friends in the combat robotics game, but like their t-shirts are like, uh, they're unwearable. Like I I don't want to have like a mag motor logo on the front of my t-shirt. You know what I mean? Like that's not great. Um, But like, yeah, yeah, the the t-shirt's great. It's iconic already. Um, I I, I was going to buy one, but I I own like one other white t-shirt. If it comes in black, I like count count me in, you know? Well, we're looking into that. (laughs) Yeah. That's good. You can always dye your white shirt a different color. That was an idea Lindsay had. Tie dye. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Luke, let's do it. Okay. There you go. All right. We're going to. Because I'm jealous because I wanted a Maximizer shirt and I told Chris, hey, look at the website. There's Maximizer t shirts. Oh, cool. And then he ordered one for himself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, wait, this started with me wanting one. Yeah. But now we can't have the same shirt. Right. So look, if we both get one, then we can tie dye right. it, and then and then we should tie dye it. I can wear that was a good idea. Jake, sweet. when they come in black, put me down. Put me down for twelve. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And All then right. I can have one of those. Nope. Um, and, and Red Red had cut off the sleeves of his, which I, I feel that, like that's, that was good oh, looking. Yeah. That was good was looking. Good. Yeah. I, I. So the final is happening. It's Voxel and me, and it's like two minutes and thirty seconds, and it's this absolute slugfest. And I'm it. The AC wasn't great at this past NHRL. No. I'm covered in sweat. I'm <laughs> yes. covered in sweat. I'm fighting my heart out. You know, I'm like, oh, there's no way that I'm gonna win this fight. And then in the background, and I let me move my mic a little farther away before I do this impression. <laughs> I, I hear, I hear Red Sawyer go. Swing that thing! And it just absolutely I was like, you gotta be kidding. Like, come on. Like I was I was like trying to hold it together. Like, that is the funniest thing you could have the whole drive home, all we could do was I'll do it one I'll do it one more time. Swing that thing! And it was oh my gosh, it cracked me up. Oh, it was so funny. So big shout, Red Sawyer. So yeah, there you go. Good. Jake has a neighbor right now with his ear pressed to the wall. What? What is? Going what on? is going on in that apartment? Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing that I love about that is if that neighbor had a hundred guesses, Combat Robotics podcast would be like not even close. Okay? Combat Robotics and local amateur wrestling crossover conversations. I don't think so. Right. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Uh, first, first of the many questions about the merch. Ryan Hunter, who helps run Pit Control, writes, yes. "Hey Jake, what are your next pieces of apparel in your lifestyle brand?" Interjection. I hope it's in black. I'm gonna need the Maximizer Fall Collection for September and the Winter Collection going into November. Uh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking like a sweater. A sweater would be oh. gonna some like, like a, a knit. knit. Yeah, 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 like a knit. Like yeah. a knit turtleneck. Yeah. 
turtleneck. Nothing like says. A, I would wear like a maximizer flannel. Nothing says. Oh, okay. that's a, you know like yeah. a like a work uh, like a workshop flannel. Metal, yeah. like a flannel. Yeah. Something check a check flannel. Right. White okay. and black I'm, check. Yeah, I'm down Maybe. for that. Like tight around your waist and like look broody. Yeah. Like mm. uh, NHRL judge Andrew Russell writes, "Hey Jake, what makes the maximizer? What makes maximizer the most marketable bot in the field at the NHRL currently? Yeah. So like, uh, you know, you're just you're selling. I'm I'm assuming thousands of t-shirts at this point. Uh, why why is it so marketable? Hey, well, we're gonna have tickle me maximizer for the kids. We're gonna have <laughs> the maximizer body pillow, just a whole array of." For the adults, yeah, for everyone, all age groups. I mean, as as a as a body pillow enthusiast myself, you know, like Maximizer is long enough. Wait, wait, hold on. You know, Luke, Luke, can you just rewind that part for a second? Um, listen. Is this like a waifu thing? Is this? Listen, it's it's fine. You know, just just add it add it to the uh, the Stangle lore. Okay. Um. And Maximizer is is kind of in the shape of a body pillow. It's like long it and thin. It's uh, supple and uh, you know, like actually, I think an extra long Maximizer waifu pillow with just mm. literally the robot on it, full length, like that, that would be kind of weird and hilarious. <laughs> I will look into that. Okay, good. All right. So and Luke will buy does. In all seriousness, koozies. I looked into custom koozies. They're really inexpensive, so we we might. You know, get a couple of those. We'll see. But. You need a line for Christmas because, like, people are going to be wanting to get in on that. Mm. You know, like a winter collection. You know, you're kind of feeling cold and sad. You know, through, through the long winter months. You know, like get yourself a little maximizer waifu. You know, it's uh, yes, perfect. right. Cuddle up, <laughs> cuddle up. Um. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't I don't have any body pillows, you guys. Um, okay, all right, uh, Andrew. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. I, I will I will buy the maximizer body pillow. Body pillow. Uh, I'll be your first. Oh, one. I'm waiting for the right fantastic. one. And the right one is yeah. maximizer. Uh, Andrew wants to know: Do you use your mountains of golden dumpster awarded funds to keep improving said merch game? And when I break even, I'll let you know. There. Good. <laughs> Between the travel and the robot. Uh, Sam, who plans to run Mork and Bonk at NHRL, wants to know, can Jake design me a shirt with a small tail on the back and a fidget spinner on the end of the tail? I want a low-budget Maximizer cosplay. We can look into that. We okay. can look at the, the design team can look into that. I feel like that, that's that's the next, like, uh, that's the next frontier. Like, I, I looked down to the crowd in August and I saw uh, somebody wearing a Brett hat. Like, uh, like it was perfect. Like a just perfect Brett hat, um, and I am uh, I'm I'm waiting for like the the maximizer hats, the kind of you know like uh, kind of uh, the the cosplay for the robots. That's that's perfect. Um, Jetlag has great hats. I don't know if they're for sale though. No, no, no. Brett, Brett, like it, it, they they made it out of an Amazon box and they put it on their head, like the rusty. Hats, oh, I see. Know? I see. I was thinking about actual merch. Yeah. Oh, the Jetlag merch is great. Um. Jaden Shuba, who runs Marvin and Walta, has a merch question. Maximizer plushie when? Uh, that I guess would be we already answered this. Tickle me, Maximizer, which yeah. is a valid <laughs> discount code on the website. Five dollars off your purchase. Tickle <laughs> me, Maximizer. Okay, all right. Uh, back to serious questions. NHRL Cage Manager Manager Linden wants to know when is your thirty pounder Maximizer, and would you ever build a Maximizer heavyweight? Oh, this is so. This is the question I've gotten 
since I built it um is is what would a 250 look like so uh so i'll start with a 30 pounder so i i think one thing that allows maximizer to work and work well um is the 12 pound has the highest cage to weight ratio you've got the most room to drive around in for, for all of the weight classes so i think that's part of the reason why the three pound thagomizer class has struggled and why a 30 pounder in my opinion would have to have a shorter tail uh, a stubbier maximizer um carrying that over to a heavyweight if i scaled this guy up directly it's at 25 inches right now it would be five foot nine so that is a large large robot wow. and i cannot fit that in the back of my ford focus right now um the, <laughs> the uh the so i i the three p's i like to call them are physics personnel and funding um for a heavyweight thagomizer to exist i'd have to get all of those um so personnel i've never built a 250 robot i've only been doing this for two years i've never actually even seen the inside of a 250 pound robot so um much like maximizer was born out of observation of the field i would think that a 250 would have to be born out of the same flame um physics so the physics on maximizer are really interesting um as you go up in scale or or in length your power increases exponentially the the equation for uh moment of inertia is m r squared so that means if i make a tail that is twice as long it's four times as powerful so um but what that also means is you need uh an exponentially greater amount of power to move that tail and then as you scale up you also need an exponentially amount of an exponentially larger amount of power uh to move that robot so what you end up with is i've got 700 watts on drive now you end up you know not doubling the, or not 2.5 times that number that number exponentially increases you need a, a kind of a even a claw viper style drive in my opinion to move something like that uh, then you start to lose the compactness, which is one thing that I think makes this robot work, um, is how compact it is. With all that said, I think it's possible, I think with a shorter tail, 250-pound um, Thagomizer would be fantastic, I think. Um, but that that physics hurdle is is an interesting engineering problem. Um, there's also a matter of the fact that I simply, I don't have a shop to work on it at right now. Um, like I said, I'd be working out of an apartment and my Ford focus. So that is with a 250 pound robot, not ideal. Um, and I live in a second story apartment. So carrying it up and down the stairs, very micro micro problems and then funding so i'd like to have sponsors come on to sponsor something like that um i haven't begun that search at all yet 
um, I've been focusing on the combat robotics program here at the University of Cincinnati. If you would like to sponsor the University of Cincinnati Comics Robotics Club, we would love to have you. We just had another sponsor come on, so we're very excited about that. Um, and that's just where my focus has been right now. But yes, I'd love to build a heavyweight. That's cool. So yeah. uh, you, you kind of want to walk around in the pits of BattleBots, take a look inside of heavyweights, kind of take a look at that. So <laughs> I, I have guess, to. Have to. I guess, I guess the, the, the open invitation for all of the combat robotics uh, BattleBots captains listening is uh, try and recruit Jake, but, uh, you know, Jake's a hot commodity. So uh, get, get in line, I guess, you know. <laughs> that, that would be great. <laughs> that would be great. Chris and Lindsay, maybe maybe you can put in a, put in a word with the uh, the Copperhead team. You know, you're listening, Chad and Luke. I mean, Chad's already tuned in for 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 hair product tips. <laughs> so, like, this could just be a win win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. All right, good. Um, all right, final question uh, from Flying Purple People Eater Builder Mitch. It's a very simple yes or no question. Very, it's probably probably the simplest question that we've asked all year. <laughs> Wow. Uh, how maximized is maximizer and how many maximizations can a maximizer maximize before maximization sickness seeps into the maximizer, maximizing the maximizer, which maximizes the maximization maximizer? Yes. Good. All right. Uh, mm-hmm. Any other questions for, uh, for Jake specifically, uh, Chris and Lindsay, before we get into our recap? I mean, I have a set of questions for Jake, but we could wrap up this, yeah. uh, this interview uh, oh. post the uh, NHRL recap. Got it. Okay, okay, good. Should we jump right in um, with the 30-pound right. recap, Luke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so August was a fantastic event, and it was really interesting going in and kind of like taking a look at what our predictions were, what the fan predictions were, and what ultimately happened. I think that we saw um, like some some unexpected results, you know, both in the 30s and in the threes. Um, I think that, you know, keen-eyed viewers probably were not super surprised at, at Maximizer's success in the 12s. Um, but yeah, starting starting with the 30s, uh, there were uh, 11 30-pounders that registered in the field, and just one had already qualified for the World Championships, Kablui Tango, from Valkyrie designer Alex Kreese and Valkyrie captain Lucy Dew. However, ultimately... It was Brandon Bennett-Young and Vorion that rose through the ranks with two major upsets in a row, defeating first Kablui Tango, snapping a multi-event winning streak, and then defeating the 2022 championship runner-up Polyester to ultimately take home the Golden Dumpster. Now, there were ultimately four robots that stamped their tickets to the championships. Brandon had two of them, Vorion and Fracas. There was also Synthesis 30 from Pain Train pit crew member Corey Nason and Polyester run by Ribot Captain David Jin and Ribot Weapons Designer Christian Cooper. Um, the 30s was thrilling. I was so happy to see Brandon win his very first Golden Dumpster ever in his career. Um, your thoughts on the 30s, Chris and Lindsay? I, I'm just going to jump right in and I'm just going to say it. Uh, the 30-pound bracket in August was uh, the most uh, emotionally incredible experience I've had in combat robotics. And I've been to the big show. I've, I, you know, I've been to BattleBots. I've, I've won a match at an HRL with a garbage <laughs> bot. I have an incredible co-host team and I love spending time with all of you. But to watch 
Brandon, take the dumpster as one of the hardest working people, if not the hardest working per- person in combat robotics. It literally like I felt it in my core and I I don't even know what to say. Uh, it almost makes me emotional just talking about it. Uh, he. He is he's like the, in the truest sense, the embodiment of the sport. Uh, I Jake, I said the same thing about you. I, I see a lot of that in you as well. And this is definitely an avenue I see you already kind of heading down. And I uh, I have the utmost respect for people like yourself and, and people like Brandon who just they they are they are home on a Wednesday. It's not an event week and they are doing a Twitch test. They are doing you, you know, you're 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 pushing yourself every day to bring something ultimately a certain degree better to every competition and ultimately you're you're rewarded by it. And Brandon has really been at it for so long and it's it's totally it's totally his time. And I I honestly think that uh he is in a really good place to to bring it all home in 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 the world championship. I I hope that that is his story to tell by the end of this year. Cuz if if you if you know a single person in combat robotics that deserves it more, say their name right now. <laughs> yeah. The amazing thing about Vorion is that I I guess I mean Brandon is always there he's always competing and he always has you know he used to have phenomenon he has uh, you know Phenomena. multiple bots that he competes with so it kind of escaped me that this was Vorion's only second event ever mm. like that that was brand new information to me that I had not realized until I spoke with him after and like Brandon has been fighting for so long and he's always improving his robots and um, incrementally changing them. And I think now with Vorion, he has found a design and he is like taken everything that he's learned up until this point, put it into this design. And like it is across two, two events. Now it is really, really dominated. And this time obviously taking home the dumpster and, it makes me really excited to see where he can, he can go from here. Uh, just, there's just not a better person that yeah, to root for. Absolutely. Like you just you you gotta love him so much. I I feel like I I tell this story every single time that Brandon's name comes up, and I I like struggle to like convey exactly what this means to me. But like, it was 2018 Franklin Institute. If we had started the podcast, it was like maybe a month old. I don't know. It was like super brand new. And we had we had driven out to Philadelphia and gotten into the Franklin Institute, uh, had no idea where it was. We had to like ask a bunch of questions, went downstairs to the basement and um, we're sitting there. If I remember correctly, Ricky Willems is announcing and literally not a single person knew who I was like I was a total nobody. Right. And I talked my way through the like kind of the the into the pits you know like underneath the stanchion i don't even remember how i did that and i was just standing there and i'm just totally bewildered 
I had never met anyone, you know, like there in the pits and um, like off to the side, you know, I, I can see that it's Al Kindle, you know, there. And I just couldn't work up the courage to talk to him. And it was just that feeling of like, you know, when you kind of wander into a party and you're not there with your friends and you're just like, I don't know anybody. Like, how am I even going to start start a conversation? Right. And Brandon just comes up to me within seconds. I don't know, 60 seconds, maybe. And he's like, hey, do you want to see my robot? And I was like, yes, please. Thank you. Right. No idea who I was. Literally, like just a stranger. And he sat and he, he like showed me everything inside of his robot. Like he talked me through everything. He answered all of my dumb questions. And it was just like this incredibly kind gesture. And, um, and he had, he had no motive whatsoever, just other than just sharing his joy of the, the sport and the joy of his robots. Um, I looked like just a dad in off the street and he didn't have to waste his time talking to me at all. And um, he did. And that was so cool. And then later, like I'd, I'd catch up with him and now I, I knew more. And we would sit there and we'd just like talk about matches. And like he has this encyclopedic knowledge of every single match that he's ever had. And he watches everyone else's matches and he has opinions on all of those. And he's got really good insights and he can just recall stuff like, oh, well, there was a 2019 fight where this thing happened and that thing happened. And it's like, it is amazing how serious he is about the sport. Um, and it was just wonderful. I, I got, I got emotional when I, when I saw him getting the, the dumpster, it was like, it was a really, really big deal. Um, and I'm just so, so happy for him. Um, so yes, congratulations, Brandon. Good, good work today on, on, on TV as well. Uh, good, good segment. He did great. Yeah. Um, other other big 30s, you know, like um, we saw, you know, super successful flamethrower from uh, from Alex and Richie. Just uh, in, incredible, uh, you know, propane. so cool. Powered flamethrower. <laughs> hey, that's those, uh, those kids have the best childhood. They I'm are. They are it. like my uh, I don't. How would you how would you even say it? I guess they're kind of like my uh, estranged family. Yeah. <laughs> I like I wish I hung out with them all the time. Uh and they kind of make bots with me in tandem. Yeah. Uh but you know, it's they, they I think that they really kind of capture that uh the the young and imaginative and experimental uh ethos that I think is is ultimately part of the success of the sport. Right? Uh s- sometimes it's it's the sport is really about how can I push the meta? Point one percent further, so that I can beat the one that is one point, you know, point one percent behind me. And then there's people that are just like, I'm gonna put a flamethrower on a turret. Yes. <laughs> and then like yeah. my whole thing is just a bunch of like metal sticks, so that you can't touch me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I was talking to Richie and his dad um, at the last competition. And he was like, you know, my my sons and I, we just get together and we build stuff. And like, you know, I'm teaching them fabrication. I'm teaching them kind of like hand machine tools and stuff. He's like, you know, we cut everything ourselves. We cut it all in our garage and we've got a bunch of tools and stuff. And it's like his son's maybe nine or ten, you know, like um, Richie's maybe nine or ten. And then he's got this younger brother who also brought a robot. And it's just like. That is so cool that you can do that as a family. Like, it's just awesome. Like, I, I want to do that 
what, like as my daughter gets older, like I want to build really cool stuff that she dreams up and like teach her how to do it all. Like that's so amazing. So I just, I, I, I love the whole ethos of, of the, the, the Yamato kind of family of, of robots. Jake, Jake, you know how like you, you mentioned like when you were, when you're, you're first kind of like diving into the sport and uh, you know, you're trying to figure out like, where can I ingest some of this material? And that's when you kind of stumbled upon the mm-hmm. discord and there was the builders there that mm-hmm. were happy to answer your questions. I've reached out to Alex before for insights on how okay. to make my flamethrower for alternate side work better. <laughs> okay. And so I think Alex is a retired IBMer. I'm an IBMer, and he did like the most IBMer thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> I sent him uh, like, I don't know, a, a six sentence email that was just like, hey, uh, great to see you at the last event. I have this flamethrower. It's not very good. What suggestions do you have? I saw that you did this, this, and this. He sent me what can only be described as like a, like a, I don't know, a novella. <laughs> Oh, about wow. just totally written. just like, oh, bang, like not just bullets, but also like some flavor text in there also. <laughs> and then in mm-hmm. the flavor text are are hidden Google Drive doc sheets that like really kind of go into the nitty gritty of the design. <laughs> and then the actual CAD files of the things that I needed on top of that. And I'm just like, you're just like my favorite person now. This is wild. And, and you know, we, I know we just touched on it before about how helpful and resourceful and, and collaborative this community is. But I think that they're yeah. like, they're like uh, one of the best examples of a team that is there to have fun, but there is actually some serious knowledge behind that team and they're willing to share with mm-hmm. anyone who's willing to ask. Yeah. 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 Um, a couple of the names it, that I want to kind of pick out uh, from the list. Kablooey Tango. Surprising to see Kablooey Tango. I mean, obviously, there's no robot that can go undefeated forever. But I just was convinced Kablooey Tango is is just running straight to the uh, to the, the goal. It's going to three-peat. Right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Three, um, nobody's th- no one has done a three-peat. Not yet. Uh, hot leaf juice. Hot leaf juice. Oh. Hot leaf juice is doing okay. Three in a row. Yeah. Okay. Has anyone done a four peat? Oh. <laughs> is that is three peat currently the triple crown? I think so. Let me look. I think so. Um, I can't imagine. A I can't peat. imagine some because that's that's you're talking two thirds of the entire yeah. year for NHRL. It's unless hot leaf juice did a four peat, not a three peat. That's the only robot I can think of. But I think they were just three. I don't know. Hot Leaf Juice has won three. Did it go in September of 21? It it won two in a row. It's won three total. Uh, I see. So it has not been done then. The three-peat has not been done. Yeah. Like three in a row? No, I guess not. Well, I guess if anybody Uh, was going to do it, it'd be be some of those folks then, because we're talking about like some, some of the same ilk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they did not fight in September, so yes, they three peated. Oh, they did. Okay, July twenty one, November, and then December. Wow, interesting. And that was the last horizontal to win it before this year. And depending on how they perform in um, September, they might raise the ranks into the number one spot, uh, displacing Megatron. 
They would have, uh, I think, if they had beaten mm. Boreon in this last event. But now, uh, I don't think the uh, the updated rankings are out yet. So I, they're not. I'm gonna, not I'm gonna assume that they're 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 still in in second. Yeah, Gil said I think seconds. next week. Um, and then uh, the only other thirty I want to just briefly touch on is depth charge. I was talking to um to um. Uh, to Dustin and he was saying that it was a brand new depth charge and he had some challenges with getting uh, the bristle drive that he wanted um, Mm. there in time. So he 3d printed bristles kind of in a panic because they didn't, uh, didn't get shipped in time. And um, so we, we didn't see kind of like the super destructive performance that we were expecting out of that robot. But um I love depth charge and I will, I will um, eagerly await its return uh, with those, uh, with those upgraded bristles. Yeah. What a bummer for Dustin. I'm sure he was, uh, you know, sad that he couldn't get the parts he needed in time. Yeah. Probably also sad that he didn't leave with the bits of Lexan like he wanted to, you know? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I, I do I do want to get into the twelves. Uh, you know, Jake, as our resident uh, you know, expert in the twelves yeah. here on on the show. Um, you know, yeah. I would love to hear your perspective on your day. I got to to watch your your recap video, of course. Really interesting kind of stuff about the wheels and um your kind of super hot components that were coming off of the robot. But um like can you yeah. can you give us like a your your personal recap of, of Maximizer's run? Uh, yes, I can do Maximizer's run, and then I can talk more about... I made some notes about the other 12-pounders that I thought were really interesting um, and doing cool stuff. So, yeah, so if you really want to see, like, how Maximizer's supposed to work, uh, watch the Honey Shock fight. All systems 100% during that fight. Um, And I was driving it full bore for about two and a half minutes. Um... I, I'm still a nervous wreck for the first 30 seconds of every fight, so I just lose. Um, but then I get comfortable, and, and we're good, and we, we lock in. Um, but I, that'll just come with experience. Uh, the wheels that I had were urethane rubber. Urethane has a shelf life of two to three months, which I... Tony D'Ambrosio told me the night of the competition. I'm like, really? That's very interesting. <laughs> uh oh. And then uh, is that after being poured, Jake? Yes. Uh, no. 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 Uh, no. Just the uh, here. I got it right here. Um, the just sitting there. It'll go bad. Apparently. Oh wow. So uh, this yeah. I looked through my Amazon history. This was from October of last year. So as soon as my wheels hit the wood, and I think the paint as well, I think the paint of the floor is more abrasive than I give it credit. Um, it, it just degraded the wheels instantly. And so a lot of my fights were just kind of disappointing because I couldn't, I'm so reliant on that traction to get a good swing in. Um, but yeah, go check out my YouTube channel for more of the recap, I guess. Uh, Chris just learned something because now he's swearing uh, under his breath and uh, just left you a check. <laughs> the expiration date. <laughs> oh, really? Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I guess I just buy Vitaflex before every other competition now. 
just to make sure it's so good. But um, Jake, you know, like taking a look at the rest of the field, you know, when you were looking at your like initial fight of the day and kind of how you thought you were going to to go move through the bracket, you know, like were there robots that you were highlighting as as ones that uh, you really were watching, you know, um, to, to see how, how they did? Uh, yes. So if you look at my predictions, I had Maximizer Voxel in the final. I correctly wow. predicted it. Wow. Yes. Yes. I, yeah, it, you know, I do more than just fight the robots. I also look at them. Um, but the reason why I had that is because Voxel, I felt was the best equipped to fight horizontals. Um, and I felt as if it, if it came in good condition, um, that it would it would drastically alter the field um, with the fights that it had, and it ended up fighting Cthulhu, and it ruined mm. Cthulhu multiple times. Um, so, sorry, Corey, but that I, I that was I had that in my predictions. Um, the drum is just a really powerful counter. Um, the drum is just a really powerful counter. Um, other ones that are that I personally watch axis of evil. Mm. Um, it's another thwack bot. So the logic is the same. I get more power because the equation for moment of inertia is MR squared. If I can increase that, if I can double my moment arm, I can quadruple my power. Um, so he's gone to a Neo five, five fifty on drive, which is a censored outrunner. Um, that gives him a lot more torque. Uh, Brandon Zelensky is gotten better driving it as far as like how accurate he is with his strikes. Um, I feel like he had two kind of crummy JDs. Yeah. Um, but it, it's gotten so much snappier that I think it's very, it's gotten very good. And so many robots are vulnerable to overheads because there's nothing. There are no overheads. Um, that's one of the things that huge capitalizes on. Um, driving backward, it's spinning down. Um, so that was one that I watched. Nightcrawler had the best driving ever. Um, Team Stamina has entered the 12-pound class with... Oh, hell. Amphisabina? Yeah, there you go. Is that yeah. close enough? That's, that's how we uh, were saying it. I, I certainly hope so. <laughs> it had electrical issues um but it is registered for september so it will be back um timber viper surprise success yeah. um it's another one of the perfect counters to the horizontal is the control bot so i think it's a dark horse for finals and a day ender is what i had in my notes <laughs> but yeah there you go um yeah. you know i i was curious when you thought about your eventual match matchup with voxel you know i don't know a couple of weeks yeah. before when, when you made that prediction how confident were you like when you thought about it you know i mean even even then when you were when you thought your wheels were good you know like not even yeah. like on the actual day when you realized that your wheels were disintegrating um yeah like did did you feel confident like um uh, in that matchup I no, I you know you gotta put yourself as winning like hey yeah. but I I definitely saw Voxel going a long way I I I in my legitimate head had him winning the I I had 
the the way I had it arranged was I had me and Promheta on one side of the bracket, and then I had Super Scope Voxel on the other side, and I had Promheta beating me and Voxel beating mm. Super Scope because it's such the drum is such a good counter to the horizontal. Um, obviously, it can be done, um, but it was just kind of a matter of of who got there. Um, of course, I had lost to Promheta before, and I that was a robot that was on my radar as soon as Zach Hunt signed up because I wanted revenge uh, for Doomba. So he fought me. So I fought Zach four times now. I fought him at every single event that I've been to. Uh, in November with Doomba, in March with Maximizer, he beat Maximizer, and then I beat Krunk, and then now I've beaten the Jewel, which is Promheta. So I beat every team defective bot now. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Which is fun. <laughs> I um I I was I was calling Brandon's final final match um his final mm-hmm. acts of evil match and I I also thought that he had won that match going into yeah. the JD and I was pretty surprised I I think um I think I even said that on the the stream you know um there there were some kind of uneven judges calls. I, I think it's difficult when, when you have judges um, calling 400 fights in a single day, you know, to have every single one perfect. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like we saw this in the Beatles and this is the first time I'd ever seen this, but people started putting pink and blue stickers on their robots and on their mini bots so that the judges yeah. like could more easily, you know, see which which robot was which um because there's kind of like a fear in the pits that the judges don't know that robots off the top of their heads like as well as say the announcers do and um Mm -hmm. if if the if if they don't have a really clear idea and there's two robots that look kind of similar going in um that they could call it for the wrong robot accidentally i don't think that happened Mm -hmm. obviously with axis of evil just because it's so unique looking but um you know I, I did I did think that that um Brandon was was winning both on aggression and control um in that match so that that was tough It's it's hard to demonstrate control with that robot Yeah um you've got kind of one option uh that's what I see with a lot of robots is, is that they've only got one option to win the fight um and yeah Brandon he can't push another robot around Yeah um He's just going to drive over top of him. So I think it's hard to demonstrate control with that robot. But I, I yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I thought the Neo 5550s for drive was was interesting, personally. Um, um, any other thoughts on the 12s before we move into the Beatles? I do not. Who came in? Uh, torrent torrential. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait to see those in finals. Uh, Yoshimi showed up with a nasty shuffler, yeah, and a nasty horizontal, yeah. Um, it wasn't quite there for this competition. We'll see if he can turn it around before finals. I had an excellent chance to talk to the builder, um, whose name I'm blanking on right now. It is. Uh, Yoshimi uh, is Joey Gannon. Yoshimi. Yes, yeah, Joey. Yeah, excuse me. Um, but, yes, I'm excited to 
the the last true shuffler that we saw in 12s that did well was uh kitten mittens mm-hmm. so but that and that was years ago so i think there's an open spot i think the biggest challenge is that in the 12 pound weight class like i mentioned earlier it's the largest cage to weight ratio which means that wheeled robots in my opinion have an advantage yeah um they're so much more maneuverable but then we see silent spring in a three pound class which is so maneuverable but here you go I uh I also want to just quickly call out uh Dark Star from Tony D'Ambrosio. I I was mourning the loss of Blackbird, you know, like he's decided to uh to retire the robot until his his daughter um decides that she's interested in it and kind of decides whether she's going to pick it up off of the uh the shelf. Um and uh Arya, Tony's daughter is is a great combat robot driver. I I watched her um fighting her aunt late at um at the Hartford event uh last month. And so I have no doubt that she's going to revive Blackbird. Um but uh when I saw Darkstar come in, I just like laughed so hard to myself because it is a perfect scale up of Blackbird including the size of the stickers on the robot it just looked like honey <laughs> i like uh I, I like blew up the robot and <laughs> it was like um just so delightful because like you you don't typically see like the kind of perfect scale up um and i i could imagine you're know, like oh maybe maybe he'll scale blackbird down to a one pounder and the stickers will be teeny tiny you know and it'll just be <laughs> perfect but it's like tony tony is such a like meticulous branding guy like of course of course it's perfect you know like he cares about what it looks like and um i just i i love that so uh hope to see a whole lot more of dark star because i um i was i was sad that i wasn't gonna see blackbird so good okay um we're gonna get into our largest uh largest group of robots certainly the most competitive um in the field, just just based on the size and, and really the the uh, level of competition, absolutely brutal competition in the threes. Um, now, entering into this competition, all eyes and kind of like easy money uh, were on Calvin Eba and Lynx. He has three golden dumpsters under his belt. He's got two back-to-back golden brats. He is the two-time reigning world champion in the Beatles. And he died on a light and people were yeah. upset. I was upset. The fans were upset. Uh, people in the stands were booing um, for for totally legitimate reasons. Um, like uh, the referee was a very fast, like the referee was fast on the count out. And um, there was apparently, I, I didn't see it myself, but the fans were saying that earlier in the day they had, erroneously they're not supposed to but they did they paused a match to pull out a broken light earlier and um because of that he he got counted out box side by by a referee um and i i think like the the difficult thing for me and like people are like oh would people care if it was anybody other than links and i was like yes of course you know like of course i'd care um because we we've had we we've had some inconsistent refing and some inconsistent judging and like it's difficult when you see like you know your refing experience is going to depend on the ref that is standing there cage side like some refs are very fast other refs are not we've seen 
robots that are sitting motionless for 45 seconds in the box and the ref doesn't begin counting them out. And we start saying on the stream, like from the announcer's desk, like, what is the ref doing? Like the ref needs to start counting, you know? Um, and then like, then you see this, like, just kind of hair trigger, like count out happen as soon as he gets on top of the light. Um, and like, that is hard to watch anybody go through that. And especially Calvin, cause you know, he's flying here from the West coast and like, that is, that's tough. Um, and I, I know it's something that NHRL takes very seriously, something that we are looking at with Mike Jeffries, um, who is helping us out a lot with our judging um, and kind of our ref consistency. And it's something we absolutely, as a league, need to fix um, quickly. So, And I, it's not just, it doesn't just stop at the actual judging Um like I, they like there was like a full on uh, war room scenario at NHRL after this all went down, and you know, as as someone who was trying to interview some of the folks that were, you know, stakeholders in this really kind of crazy situation, it it was uh, it was especially I think really I was very uncomfortable in this situation because like. NHRL instantiated a, a rule this year that was based on like my and my my cousin Jackson's bot uh, dark side last year when light side gifted them essentially the the uh, the path to the world championship um, it couldn't have been a better scenario for that loophole to get closed where you know a 10 year old is giving a 14 year old a, a chance to go to the world championship. Uh, as opposed to, you know, someone who is uh, running multiple bots and, and giving one of their own bots the buy-in that they think has the best chance to win. Uh, but, you know, uh, I, like, I, I know that Lynx had an opportunity potentially to continue in the uh, in the competition for the night, considering that its opponent was out of spares and was, uh, was really not going to be able to continue. Um but, you know, I do know that NHRL is not just looking at how can we make this better from a, uh, a cage side ref uh, perspective, a judging perspective, but they immediately went into how can we make the cages better where this is a less likely scenario that will happen. And I'll tell you, on Slack, like the next day, it was like a flurry of new CAD designs that were already coming out to do a better job of securing the lights and making sure that obstacles that could potentially interfere with the fight are no, uh, no longer as easily uh, going to kind of fall into, into place. Uh, so everything from like new light uh, bracket holders to, is there a way that we can kind of capture any kind of falling debris? All of these ideas are uh, already being designed and, uh, and prepped for, rollout for next season uh so we're only months away from some serious overhauls to the boxes which you know will hopefully prevent some of these kind of scenarios from playing out in the future but like when when this all went down like i um i can't even describe like what it what it was like kind of being ringside and then up in the pits and kind of following Calvin just trying to who who is just trying to understand like what happened like why did this happen to to me and 
is this how it should have played out? It was, uh, it was, it was really heart wrenching. And, you know, I, I hope that, uh, nobody, nobody feels like, a, a you know, disincentivized to, to compete because like something like this might happen, but you know, ultimately this is a very crazy sport and weird things are going to happen. Uh, and you know, it's, we're always learning to see like how we can do better as administrators of a tournament and to make it a fair tournament. We're constantly working on how can we improve like, uh, you know, the, the, the interface between judging and the outcomes of matches. How can we, how can we improve, uh, the overall experience between the refs and the, the, the builders at cage side, how can we like make things more efficient and run more smoothly from everything from like the, the new enhanced tap out buttons to better integration software that actually like ties each of the cages to our central hub in production. There are so many moving parts to this competition. It's like, it's beyond a lot of professional sports uh, back-end technology. Like, if you watch a baseball game, if you watch a hockey game, I'm almost, like, willing to put money on the fact that there is more technology behind NHRL happening. And the fact that they're, like, they're they're just so gung-ho on making sure that uh, problems are addressed quickly and loopholes are closed quickly, like... I'm, I'm, I'm kind of proud of that at the same time, like these new kind of, uh, you know, these new, you know, uh, you know, trip wires, they're going to always be popping up and we're always going to be there to like try to mitigate those, but they're still going to happen. And, you know, it's, it's just unfortunately a, a real part of the sport and it's a real part of NHRL and, my heart goes out to Calvin, and I, and I really hope that uh, well, he is going to be there in September now. So yeah, he's registered. He's registered. Calvin, you can come stay at my house. <laughs> now you can stay at Luke's house. It's a nicer house, even though there's <laughs> there's biting ants. <laughs> uh, you can stay in the guest bedroom. There's like nine body pillows in there. Um, the uh, <laughs> I I think you know like I so a, a couple thoughts. One is I am proud of NHL's consistency in that there was not a formal mechanism for us to overturn the referee's calls because it's not in the judge. It's, it's not in the rule book. Right. There's, we haven't built a formal mechanism for people to challenge um, a, a match decision in the middle of the tournament because uh, it's not in the rule book. And we, we don't have, you know, like this ability to, you know, overturn a, a refing call that, you know, multiple people on staff thought was a bad call. Um, and we didn't make a special exception on the fly for Calvin Eba because he's our champion. And it sucks because um, I, I think that he went out in a questionable way. Um, I think he probably should have stayed in. And but I, I am proud of NHRL for sticking with that consistency. I think the other the other big thing is like I I uh torture myself by going onto um other competing discords and like other fan groups and the uh the YouTube live chat 
and uh, people pretty sharply criticizing NHRL um, for um, just just for the judging and the refing, which I suppose I just did myself. Um, <laughs> but um, but basically, like talking about how NHRL is broken, and it's like, you know, your local competition that you're holding. Um, that runs one fight at a time and your judges are standing cage side and you do it once a year and you have, you know, 25 robots, it is, it would absolutely break under the strain of trying to run 400 fights in a single day. Like if you had to run two cages at the same time and run simultaneous fights and try and do judging for that, it would break. Like the complexity of what NHRL is doing is so much more complex than even the way that BattleBots does refing and judging because they do one fight at a time and the judges are sitting cage side. And it's just not something that we are able to do right now just because it's logistically very difficult to get, you know, 24 in-person judges to stand there at each of one of the eight boxes. Um, so, like, give us some grace, I guess. Like, we take it seriously. NHRL takes it seriously. Like, we know that this is something that we need to fix. And people are actively trying to fix it. So it was it was tough to see Lynx go out that way. I think that Lynx had a whole lot more runway in it. It had a whole lot more gas in the tank. And um hard to to see it go out on a on a controversial match. Moving on. <laughs> uh all eyes were also on Chainsaw Kitty and Kazaya Sky. And um, you know. She's just captured the the imagination of of the fans, you know. Like Jake, yeah. you you were there the same competition that she started at, I believe. I, I believe November was her yeah. first competition, <laughs> and it's like twenty twenty three is like the year of yeah. Jake, the year of Kazaya. You know what I mean? Like just our super super cool builders with super cool robots, you know. Um, and it's like. September last chance like can Kazaya do it like kind of that's the that's the big question you know like it's a stacked field it's really tough but her robot is amazing um so yeah good good luck uh on that um and then finally you know like uh the surprising run the incredibly deep run of jackpot captain jeff waters <laughs> and supreme ruler <laughs> um, uh -oh. I have complicated feelings hey, about his win. Hey, Luke. Uh-huh. Yes. Just out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you really think about Jeff Waters' bot? Okay, all right. I'll, I'll let me, hey, let me Luke. just set... Hey, Luke. Yes. Because it's uh -huh. just so meme-worthy. Tell us what you really think about his bot. <laughs> I... Listen, I, I, I will set the record straight, Okay. 90% of what I say when I'm on the announcing desk is slightly sarcastic. Okay. Like every once in a while, my, my true feelings slip through, um, you know, like when, when something actually surprising happens or something like that. Um, like my, my barely contained rage, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's not a real thing. It's mostly just to mask my uh, feelings of incompetence as I'm, uh, I'm announcing, you know, um, and Supreme Ruler, I do genuinely feel com complicated feelings about and i'm going to just try and like articulate them in a way that um is honest but also doesn't discount like just the incredible run that, that the robot had so like on the one hand um i love jeff waters 
<laughs> I love him as a person. Jackpot's amazing. Supreme Ruler is amazing. Uh, I'm really happy that he won. Like, it is cool to see something new come and break the meta. Um, like, like I was, I was excited the first time that I saw the cam lifter on Tracer. And it was really cool to see Jason bring back Tracer and run it as part of Jackpot's, um, you know, crew. And it was cool to see Jeff miniaturize, you know, um, this robot and bring it into the three pounds. Um, however, all that said, I am watching this robot just running through the field. And I'm thinking to myself, this is cool, but like, is it is it really cool when I see like 10 cam lifters or 50 cam lifters like in the future? Like, could you imagine that live stream where it's eventually going to be cam lifter versus cam lifter? I don't know. I kind of like, I, I, I see a path where people are so obsessed with the current state of the meta that they say, maybe, maybe I should just start building really long kind of twisting forks because it did really well, you know? Um, and it's not a fluke. Maybe it is a really, really good design. And in a year and a half from now, we have, we're holding like a 400 robot competition and 200 of them are cam lifters. Like it sounds hyperbolic, you know, and um, like that is, you know, it may not happen, but um, it, they, they are, they're not as exciting as roofings and fires and, you know, big, uh, awesome, destructive matches. And um, that's just the fact. And uh, like we've seen, We've seen robots, you know, like we've seen lifters just do so well in the Beatles. <laughs> like in the last 12 months, lifters have done great. Crashfest, Ratfish, SSP in all of their many different forms. Like <laughs> SSP bots ran super deep into the field. Like Seth Schaefer is selling a ton of these because they're doing so well. And it is hard to call an SSP versus SSP fight. <laughs> I love the robot. I want to buy the robot. Seth hooked me up with the discount code. Um, but like it is it's tough to get viewers excited about that when they when they come in in our ESPN deal, our Netflix deal or whatever that might be happening in the future, hopefully. And it is it's 50 percent lifters, you know, like that is yeah. it's tough. Yeah, um, I think ultimately it's not too different than like a beater brick versus a beater brick. Yeah, like, yes. Right. I no, mean, of course. Yeah, that's like it's it, there at the end of the day, it's a sparring match. It's more interesting when you have like two different, uh, you know, formulas in a rock, paper, scissors match. It's rock versus rock is not terribly interesting. Scissors versus Scissors is not terribly interesting, but if you put uh, Jeff Waters' bot versus a traditional egg beater, all of a sudden, like, something kind of interesting is happening. Yeah. Right? Where yeah. that is something that is designed to beat, uh, you know, your, your, your meta that is high-energy vertical spinner, either a drum or, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's designed to keep your opponent at bay and control your opponent. Uh, it's a um, it's a very defensive configuration, but also one that you can kind of assert some kind of control over in a match. And I would say that matchups like that can be very interesting. I, I wouldn't want to necessarily see a, a cam versus cam or a beater versus a beater because the chances are they're just going to run into each other over and over for three straight minutes. 
but it's uh it's interesting when the formula uh shows us what can happen when these different types of bot styles can can meet one another um but yeah i mean at the at the end of the day it is it is a very simple design but it can be deployed in a way that can upend an entire competition like we just saw which is it really blew my mind i did not see that coming yeah another point i want to add is like there's two sides to nhrl right there's one where we want to grow audience but then there's another where we want to grow builders and i feel like growing builders is actually of a great importance to nhrl uh right now and like being accessible they want to be the most accessible robot league on the planet earth and like having a finger tech beater bar or having uh, a kinetic high kinetic weapon is very difficult for a lot of people to build and test at home because then you need a test box then you need safety protocols um but you know building a lifter like a crash fest or a supreme ruler is much more accessible to all kinds of people and i feel like if we try to if we try to limit like the competition to only kinetic weapons or or make it more difficult for like um you know non-kinetic weapon type robots to compete like then you're you're removing the accessibility of the sport quite a bit and i think that goes against what nhrl stands for so it's that's like my, my one way of thinking about it. And then I guess my second way is like, I don't necessarily see like a, a wave of um, control bots, like 50%. What is, I think what you were saying? Like, I don't think that 50% of builders want to build a control bot. I think when people have the means to, they, uh, a lot of them prefer to build uh, robots that can roof their opponent. So, like, I don't know that the meta is ever going to be wedges like maybe we've seen in, in the past. Um, because I just think at NHRL, we're always trying to push the envelope. And so when people have the means and ability to do that, they're going to want to try something explosive, wacky, fun, um, as opposed to, you know, a lifter. But I think, like, there should be a place in the competition for lifters and and the like uh, i think the one certainty is that whatever exists people will figure out a way to beat it you know like like yeah. given enough time like true every yeah. meta will shift because you're dealing with a yep. large group of people who sit around and solve problems all day and then even the horizontal you, yeah. I, I, I know <laughs> i know i like <laughs> the time box on what a meta actually is yeah as combat robotics continues to evolve think of the 90s like when uh you know the the, the combi central era of combat robotics when it was just like how low can i make my bot how long can i make my wedges and how fast can i lift another bot so eventually you had like a field that had like very uh, very like kind of slim line bots with like really, really long skirts. And, you know, they have built in lifters and it was really difficult to beat back then because it took a lot of like, 
you know, uh, considerations to think about, like, how can I attack a bot that's so low? How can I attack a bot that has, like, such a really long uh, defensive configuration? But, like, the meta is just getting faster and faster and faster. And, like, look at this year alone. Yeah. I mean... We we used to joke that uh, what do you what do you have a four wheel drive vertical spinner? Well, uh, horizontals have been on a romp this year. Yeah, <laughs> it's sorry, the year of the horizontal. Like and Jake, <laughs> you. <laughs> you're on the podcast now. It's the horizontal, and this is like this is why it's because like you get people out there that are just like you know oh yeah that's cool uh, I could make my bot two percent better three percent no it's like no I'm just gonna just I'm going to Tokyo drift into the side of your wheelbase with my horizontal spinner. And there's nothing you're going to be able to do about it. And that's, that's awesome. That's why the sport is going to really begin to even accelerate even more is because, you know, as, as many people that want to do like a cam lifter, they want to think it like someone's going to have an answer for that very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. You have three months. It's like you yeah. have three months. I, yeah. No, I, I that stat you just gave, I was going to spit out that exact stat. So I won May, and then Owen and Corey won June, and then August, every single person had an anti-horizontal config. You get three months. I, I Yeah, that's not – yeah, wow. I totally agree. Yeah. I, I would say like, you know – for me, I sometimes think like kind of the 30,000 foot level, you know, like what does BattleBots know that we don't know yet? You know, like does Greg and Trey know something about NHRL and the path that we're going down that we just don't know yet, you know, that we don't anticipate? And like, did Greg and Trey realize back in the 90s that WedgeBots were actually like the the true meta? And that that they needed to go to a selection committee that like a an open competition just was not going to have the same kind of design diversity as if, uh, uh, you know, eight experts are sitting there in a room and they are they're looking at applications, you know, like, I, I think that that's the that's the difficult thing about BattleBots versus NHRL, because you take a look at BattleBots and you say, like, yes, this is a sport. But the problem is that you can't bring what you want to bring. You have to bring what they will accept. So like maybe there are lots and lots and lots of people who want to build Riptide clones, right? Cause that makes sense, but they're only going to allow in one Riptide. And, um, you know, perhaps it's, it's not as pure of a sport as say like the Olympics where they're trying to come up with new ways of throwing javelins and leaping over, you know, I don't know what, whatever that, uh, uh, big pole is, you know what I mean? Um, and like NHRL right now is pure sport. Bring what you want. Bring what's what you think is going to win. And is there like a logical end game, a conclusion to that, where it's like there is actually a robot that will win seventy five percent of its matches just just through its design alone, and that this like wonderful flourishing of design diversity that we see today, like the experimentations with the wheels, the experimentations with the weapons, the the robot types, will that fall away to a robot design that we can't really anticipate yet, but that is actually the the ultimate like robot design um, in combat robotics. And like I hope and pray that like we will continue to change and the meta will continue to shift and there will be an infinite number of shifts that we can make. And I just like 
I worry about this kind of doomsday robot that appears where it's like, you yeah. know what? It's it's a lifter. Anyone anyone can buy the kit. You know what I mean? It's 500 bucks and, you know, like it's going to win 75% of the time just because it's overpowered. Um, All right. But Luke, we also went into this competition and you had a fear that loophole was just going to dominate the competition. Right. Okay, and wait, like Lindsay, that this Lindsay, was also for the record. My comments about loophole were private conversations between friends, Lindsay. I didn't say anything about it on Havoc Hour, and I didn't talk about it on the stream. So you are blowing up my spot right now, okay? I did not realize that. I mean, I'm not saying you said anything bad about it, but I think you did. You had concerns that, like, similar to, you know, people on Discord that, like, oh, this is, you know, the the reading of this uh, rule you know, it can open a can of worms. I yeah, um, it, it, and total, then totally, it makes sense. Yeah, like you know, and that was fair discussion. And I fair think, private you know, discussion, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> but then loophole, which could have, if if loophole won, we'd probably be having another similar discussion. Well, okay, as like, if, what if loophole podcast. had won, all of our listeners would be on my side. Okay, I feel like I'm I'm. I'm, I'm arguing against pretty spicy memes online, okay? And I, I, I created that, and I'm sorry about that, all right? Um, but what I'm trying yeah. to say is at the end of the day, Loophole lost to Robert Walsh in a FingerTech beater bar kit, like, which obviously he's, he's a, a customized and whatever, but, like, you know, every bot is going to have a counter, and just because Supreme Ruler, the, the style of robot won this time doesn't, I, in my eyes, doesn't mean we're ushering in, you know, uh, the 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 world of wedge bots and like we gotta, you know, do something about it. I just I don't see no, it no, that I, way. I, but listen, I, don't, I could be I, wrong. I, 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 I agree with you guys. September, I, it, I agree with with Chris, Lindsay, and Jake in that like I like that is that's the fundamental tenet of our sport. Our sport is always shifting. It's always evolving. It's always getting better. And like the meta could even like go in circles where it's like, Oh, maybe we'll come back around to four wheel drive verts in with super long forks in like four years from now. I want that to be the truth because that is the, <laughs> that's the foundation of what makes our sport interesting and fun. And I'm just saying, I worry about the doomsday robot and whether it exists. Like, I don't know whether it exists, but I saw something. I saw the specter of something haunting. Okay. It's <laughs> right. Yeah. In a year from now, Jake, I'm going to be saying Maximizer killed our sport. Okay. All right. <laughs> right. Everyone yes. is driving yeah. a Thagomizer. Man. Yes. Well, when I when I release it as a kit, yeah. that's when you know it's I mean, okay. so, over. So like yeah, it. listen, I was hyperbolic. I was half serious, but um, but yeah, yeah. I it, it is it is something that I worry about as a super fan. Um, and maybe I'm the only person who worries about it, and maybe it's just because I'm paranoid. But I I feel like like there is a doomsday robot that is lurking out there, and I'm just trying to to catch it before before it just takes over the sport. You know. That's where I'm coming from. Okay. So that that's a very long and complicated kind of uh, discussion. Um, ultimately, you know, we stamp the tickets for four robots, Silent X, Jameson Go. Uh, now this is the fourth robot that he's qualified for uh, for the championship. So well done, JMO. Johnny Sumpas and Spartan, Mark Harrison and Ratfish, and ultimately Supreme Ruler, Supreme Ruler, Supreme Ruler. I bow down to our Supreme Ruler, Jeff Waters. 
I for one <laughs> thought it was an exciting robot to watch. I loved it being paired with like a mixtape uh, mini bot. That was fun to me. Lindsay, you contrarian. Okay, all right. You <laughs> populist contrarian. All right. Uh, so so brave. Okay, Lindsay. That seems like a contradiction, but I'll take it. All right. Uh, just real quick, lo- looking ahead to September, you know, like uh, big things to watch. Super crowded fields. For the very first time ever, we've opened up a wait list for the 12s and the 30s just because we have so many 12s and 30s. Um, we are we are bursting up the seams and um, kind of wild that we we basically maxed out our space. Um, any other thoughts? You know, kind of like looking forward to the very last qualifier of the year? It is going to be just people clawing their way those last few rounds yeah. to qualify. Yeah. Oh, man. I... I wish everybody the best of luck. Toro Jr. is registered. Yeah. It'd be really interesting to look at for uh, for next year if if for the that September time frame, if we really took last chance seriously, and just like we have new bot January, if it's only unregistered bots. For the for the world championship mm. that are able to compete that event now as we expand the number of events that we have it makes a lot of sense yeah where oh you, you you got you got your ticket to the world championship sure you can show up in in september at uh in norwalk uh but maybe you can only compete in the uh you know in that that the the other tournament that we have what do we call it it's the uh the freestyle the one that happens in boxes five, six, seven, and eight. Freestyle. Free, free freestyle. Uh, yeah. It's like come if you want to get your practice in before the world championship. You you can register for freestyle. That's fine. You could show up, you can practice, you can fight other great bots, but like we should really be looking at like let's get the maximum number of people that are yet unqualified to compete to see who can like get the four the four spots for the uh for the world championship um because you know there's going to be bots there that are absolutely dominant and they're going to be knocking some of those potential influencers out of the world championship by just being there yeah that's a good uh so it'd be interesting to see in 2024 if that's something that we would consider uh but september is looking thick yeah i can't believe it I can't believe it. We're going to have the return of Dragon Princess, which is now Dragon Queen, um, driven by Rachel. Um, uh, uh, Rachel. Uh, Guzman. Is it Remy's? De, de Guzman, Remy's, Remy's wife. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's really exciting. There's going to be a Sombra 30. A bunch yeah. of Brazilians. Uh, uh, Toro Feather. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the, uh... the tank <laughs> and chad's coming back with yahoo chad's coming back with yahoo we have uh something called daddy droop in the 30 pounds by t agris uh, <laughs> which certainly seems hmm. uh intriguing that's uh that, that was my nickname in high school t agris no no da- daddy droop <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> Okay. What I, I brought I brought my body pillows to school. All right, I was that kid. 
Oh, and yeah, it's it's not just the 12, it's not just the 30s, the threes are fully stacked. It's it's gonna be September's gonna be insane. One of the interesting things I noticed about in oh. you know uh in our last competition was there was a definite like uh air of urgency mm. to qualify. Yeah. It it felt almost a little bit different. It was like Maybe like just from just being on the production side, it was like one of the first like real sniffs of like, oh, this is a really, really serious thing to a lot of people. Yeah. And just looking at this lineup for our competition here in September, I have a feeling that's only going to get, uh, that's going to be like more palpable. I'm looking at the 12s. Something that I don't think we've we've mentioned yet is both Vasquez brothers are going to be competing. Yeah, both Vasquez, both uh, Matt with Womper and then Jason with Sidewalk Slammer. Um, so that's exciting. I think this is Jason's first time here. Um, we also have another one from Austin, Austin McCord, uh, called Alvin and the Chipmunks. No idea what that one is about. I do. Oh, do you? Mm. Aww. Wait, can I guess? Because I don't know. Like, is it is it helium powered? Because of like the high voices. Uh, Luke, you guessed right. It is in fact helium powered. Nice. Is it like a thirty pound balloon or something? And it's a uh... no. Uh, it's just Sam and Austin will be cage side, and they're just huffing helium. <laughs> and we'll turn on the bus. Oh, that's really hilarious. Um. We're getting in the three pounds, we're getting noob tube, and then we're also getting two new noob tubes nice. as a separate pot. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Noob Ooh. tube. That's the doomsday device. Okay. <laughs> it is. We can go through this list and we can actually pick out probably oh six <gasps> or seven doomsdays. I also yeah. want to point out the greatest challenge, which was, I think, my favorite Melty uh, brain from last year. From Jacob Williams. Yeah. So yeah. I'm really excited. They they were on the wait list, but it looks like they had just been bumped up to uh, registered. So I'm very excited about that. Oh, my God. Just look at the list. There's every throw a rock and you're going to see a robot you're excited about. Puka and Son of Cram. Yes. David yeah. came in. Yeah. David Small came in second at my first ever Norwalk. So that was like, that was like a big deal um, to me. But Son of Cram and Puka are just so cool. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait to see both of those. Have you guys seen the video Sidewalk Slammer from no. Vasquez? No. It is a convertible horizontal vert. What? It is fascinating. It has a like a automated pin in it it starts as a vert and then it can slap down to a horizontal oh get out of it's very it's very interesting yeah it's 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 something else it slams the sidewalk yeah it's 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 a lot yeah it'll be interesting you could really turn this sport on its head <laughs> um well i'm i'm very excited uh go and check out the roster registration doesn't close for for it's a little crazy. bit more but um yeah tune in live september 30th for for our next and last qualifier of of the year um jake thank you very much uh chris yep. any 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 final thank questions you. for jake i guess before we before we leave yes uh, oh so right. jake I'm going to reprise a, a portion of this podcast that I had sunset, geez, what is it now, a couple of years ago. Uh, when when this podcast was in its infancy, I used to ask a 
a builder, my own weird questions at the end of before we had folks like Mary Catherine Carr and, and you know, people who would ask deep, deeply philosophical questions, weird questions, <laughs> questions. That was just my job. Uh, but now mm-hmm. I am going to resurrect this conversation, this portion of the podcast. And I know that you are a fan of metal. Jake, uh, is just, this correct? Just quickly. Oh, man. I, I'm worried for you. Okay, Jake. Don't be. <laughs> Don't be. Why? So Should are, I be worried? Jake, are you a fan of metal? I am. I am. I like so I like last, a good a good song. The <laughs> last builder that I had corralled into this corner was none other okay. than Al Kindle. Uh, the, okay. uh, the reigning Pennsylvanian cheesesteak champion. <laughs> and uh-huh. I think he also competed on BattleBots. <laughs> And so I asked him a bunch of questions about the the genre or the spectrum mm. of metal. <laughs> Hearing bands yeah. asking him who would win in a straight up metal throwdown. Now, I just named bands for Al. I'm going to take this a little bit further for you. Oh, I'm not only going to have you hit uh, actual bands in metal. But I'm going to summarize entire subgenres of metal oh, with man. a solitary band, and you're going to do a top eight of eight subgenres of metal, so that we can see who is the uh, ultimate subgenres subgenre oh, of metal. Gosh. Now, for those out there gosh. that don't know it, metal is the most diverse spectrum of music. It period. really is, bar none. Uh, you have everything starting with early metal and folk metal, prog metal, uh, you know, uh, shock rock, stoner metal, goth metal, new wave, glam metal, thrash metal, power metal. There is so many different genres of metal, but we're going to go through eight of them right now with Jake. Oh, man. And Jake, if you don't know any of these bands, you're fired. Oh God! You're oh, never God. allowed to compete at NHL again. Jake, Jake, okay. just real, real, real we, quick. We, I'm, we, I'm gonna say yeah. this reeks of big uncle energy. Okay, Chris. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's Thanksgiving. All right. Okay, young buck. Okay, you're here. You're here from University of Cincinnati. You, what? you say oh, you're God. a metal fan. Okay. Listen, as as what me. What Thanksgivings have you been as to? Me, the forty year old with the handlebar mustache. I'm going to just grill you on your metal. Okay. All right. So just uh, like just imagine, Chris. He's he's barbecuing right I'm now. I'm like totally sweating. Okay. He's he's barbecuing right now. He won't okay. let anyone near the uh, the turkey that is deep frying, and. Uh, He's like kind of stumbling. Big uncle energy. All right, let's go, Chris. I mean, it's like the cool okay. uncle, though. It, thank All you. Right. We are All going right. to exclude uh, from this questionnaire early genres of metal. Uh, you know, your your creams, your Jimi Hendrix, your Deep Purple. We're going to leave them out of this conversation because you know what? We'll, we'll, so where are we starting? We're we're going to go into era two of metal, and we're going to go through era two through five. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. The first throwdown is era two of metal. The genres are power metal versus progression metal or progressive metal, depending on which oh flow chart God. you're looking at. This is mean. So, 
if uh, if if this is a little bit before your time, I do have sub bands that will help generalize what this genre of music is. But Era okay. Two, power metal band, Blind Guardian versus prog metal, Dream Theme. <laughs> I don't know either of those. Okay. That's, okay. I was going to say, I, like, I, 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 I was going to say Motley Crue. Really anticipated this. So okay. I'm going to go. How far back are we? Era two power metal Dio. Ooh. Versus prog metal Queen's right. Dio. I love Dio. That is I really the correct do. Answer. I re- I, uh, my 2023 song of the year was, uh, Holy Diver. Nice. And my second one was Rainbow in the Dark. Yeah. There's a no. chance Dio and, and, might and, this his, whole thing. I'm not going to lie. His, okay, 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 okay. Now, my cousin Dave is going to be very upset because he is a big Queensryche fan. However, Dio okay. is better than Queensryche, and I will put my rubber stamp <laughs> on that. All right. We're going to jump okay. right into Era 3, Industrial Metal versus Thrash Metal. Our Industrial okay. Metal band is White Zombie. Okay. Versus our thrash metal band, Pantera. Uh, Pantera. I'm seeing if I have them in my Spotify is what I'm doing right now. Uh, I don't have either of those. Probably Pan. I don't have either of those. Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll, uh. Those are 90s. Yeah, we're in era three, yeah. Jake. Yeah. We're in era yeah. three. I'm sorry, I was alive for era yeah. three, so I'm okay. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I'm I'm gonna die soon. Yeah, Chris Chris was playing his Atari, okay, and listening to Pantera, okay, Pantera. This one's a little bit more nuanced. I, oh. I like like you could say industrial metal wins. You could say thrash metal wins. If I was gonna like put my money on someone in a bar fight, I'm gonna say thrash metal. If I'm gonna put my money on somebody who has a 401k, I'm gonna say industrial metal. <laughs> so let's. Could I say Misfits? That was 90s. Misfits. Misfits. They're punk though. I that, wouldn't. So again, okay. punk is metal. It. Punk's punk? not metal. Oh, punk my. is metal. Oh, you stepped on. You stepped on a bomb. Of metal, Lindsay. <laughs> Yes. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah. Punk is a sub, sub, sub genre of metal. Wait, no, punk has I so many. Okay. I'll pay you. Yes. Punk has so many genres within itself. How can it? How can it be in metal? Because the metal family tree is like one of those fungus spores that just spread out like a slime well, across then, a whole petri dish. Just, and like you're rock, just, just real quick, you're just much like my shower. The, the sound, <laughs> the the sound that we hear right now is literally thousands of people just deleting this podcast episode. Okay, but please continue. <laughs> Did I? Was I just? Was this common knowledge? Yes. Yeah. No, no, Lindsay, I, I agree I, with you. Like, but like, I some agree people, with you. They, they, All right. Uh, not not everything can be metal, Christopher. Okay, continue. That's not true. Everything is metal or not metal. <laughs> it's it's binary. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. We'll we'll jump into era four: metal core versus hard okay. alternative. Okay. The the band I've chosen to represent all of metal core. Which I'll probably get guys wow. for this is Machine Head. 
Okay. Versus the hard alternative band, Rage Against the Machine. Oh, Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. I would agree with that. Machine. Yeah. Yeah. Shooting from the hip. Yeah, I got I got Ram. Uh, Rage Against the Machine really kind of defined a, a, a yeah like a half a decade. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really kind of encapsulated, I feel like, uh, millennial and, and later Gen X grief. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> While Machine Head was just dope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to jump into Era 5. Uh, for, oh, yeah. the, uh, for the Xennials out there, this is what you would just call metal. But it's not. It's new metal versus new <clears throat> American metal. Okay. The new metal band I've chosen. Can I guess it? Go ahead. City Morgue, Zillakami? No, that's on the list, though. <clears throat> I went Damn. I went to 10,000 feet and went to Avenge Sevenfold. Which is in Avenged Sevenfold. Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah, I have them. Versus the new wave American metal band, Chimera. Ooh, I think I, I got Chimera on my list too. I, I officially agree with you in two of your semi permanent yeah. two positions, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you though, you should check out Blind Guardian and Dream Theater because they are both dope for power metal and progressive metal or progression metal, however you choose to define that. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, Oh, also just get a little bit more into industrial metal and thrash metal because they are um, <laughs> just sick. They're just incredible genres. Yeah. genres. This is the most uncle-y moment I've ever seen of Chris's like life. <laughs> now, All right. now, Jake, pass, yes. pass the gravy and potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Let's let's if there's a band that, that I need to check out, you feel free to shoot me a note because there are hundred and fifty thousand. Would you like me to read through my my Spotify yeah, like? Spot, Spotify like like most played, yeah. Can, can you give me your fave five? Can I get the Jake fave five or fave three? Uh all right. This is these are my like songs. Um and a lot of these aren't metal because because I, I like weird songs. I have Zillakami. I have City Morgue. Um, I've got uh, Vent by Baby Keem. Um, I have a song called Moonlight by Callie Uches. Uh, that one's really good. Um, I have more Doja Cat than you would think. <laughs> uh I have Savage Season by The Color 8, really good song. Uh, Ghetto Blasters by Ghoul. Blood, Sweat, Murder by Scott H. Bram. Uh, Ant Pile, that one's really good. Where Eagles Dare, Misfits. Angel Witch by Angel Witch on their album Angel Witch. I just think that's funny oh, to really say. Creative. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have I have some weekend Alice in Chains I got a lot of that Godzilla Sepultura uh, Death Angel. Um, Listen, Jake, Jake, you you have is, you is have that, successfully that... reversed Uno to uh, Uncle Chris here. Okay, yeah. All right, I I can this see this is that moment at Thanksgiving where I... the uh, the uncle who feels like he knows everything <laughs> hears a whole bunch of words he doesn't understand. <laughs> 
I and saw shuts down and fills up on corn pudding and then goes to sleep. I I saw I saw Chris's face when you said Jira and he thought he thought that was a work collaboration platform. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and I heard Jojo said, "Oh, I know her." We, we are- I got a lot of ice spice too. I, you know, I, I, I like ice spice a lot. She's great. Uh, Jake, uh, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, no, um, thank you. And uh, listen, stick stick around for the uh, for the for the uh, robots around the world if you like. But um, yeah, like uh, Maximizer, fantastic. Uh, love Maximizer. Love you. you, Jake. So stay stay in the sport. You. And uh, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing Maximizer in the box again and having you on the podcast again. So uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. After the break, we'll return with uh, this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're traveling to the terrifying world of the future where the U.S. military has commissioned AI-supported tactical reconnaissance and attack drones that are capable of taking off vertically. A half dozen defense contractors are building prototypes of the drone, which could be produced en masse within the next 10 years. What could go wrong? They're designed to be carried into battle and launched from tight spaces to provide soldiers a live video feed of their environment and also attack enemies. The military has also asked uh, for so-called quieting technology so enemy combatants have no idea a drone is in the air directly above them. Now, I have to say we took about a two-month break. It was glorious um, because I didn't have to be faced with the constant reality of just robots um and the doomsday potential for every single one of them. So it's it's nice, Luke, that you picked really an easy one for me to like get my feet wet back, uh, you know, into the fold with you know just literal drones that are silent, uh, undetectable, and don't need any runway to launch. They can just launch right from your backpack. That's cool. It's uh, it's solving one of the greatest pain points of the Predator <laughs> drone, which is uh, you know, you've got to launch them. From a pretty long runway, they're basically small jets, and uh, they're very loud. They're 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 flying at just incredible altitude. But um, but but you 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 know when there's when there's a drone in the air, um, and instead what we can do is just have little backpack sized drones that that take off from your shoulders, okay, and they they just vertically kind of go up into the air silently, totally silently, okay. And provide you color 360 degree video for like, you know, soldier wearing VR. And um, yeah, artificial intelligence just blasting, uh, you know, um, enemy positions left and right with the uh, the onboard weapons. So pretty good. So I actually read a fascinating article this morning about the, the country of Austria has released an anti-predator drone that can take out virtually any predator. It's it's wild. It's called an Arnold Schwarzenegger drone. <laughs> and if you know anything <laughs> about movies in general, you'll know that Arnold Schwarzenegger versus a predator, Arnold Schwarzenegger wins like 100% of the time. Wow. And it's a bodybuilder. And it could be a governor. 
So it's got some AI technology infused <laughs> in there as well. I, I'd love to see just Arnold Schwarzenegger flying in the air, just doing the T-pose up to like just uh, destroy drones. Uh, that'd be great, you know? Yeah. Why can't that be the future that we have? Why can't it be literally Arnold Schwarzenegger just zapping drones out of the sky? Um, no, no, no. I, I think I think they, they want to just atomize drones, make them smaller and smaller. You know, like the, the really terrifying thing is um, the the dumb drones that they're building right now. Like this is a very smart drone, right? This is probably, you know, a $200,000 per unit kind of drone. But they can build uh, like 50, 100 stupid drones that have just like a cell phone attached to them for GPS. And uh, you can't shoot them all down. And uh, each one is uh, just a little mobile rocket propelled grenade basically um that's that's terrifying now allegedly that that huge attack on russia's like uh advanced fighter jet like field that like their runway where you know how like russia just lost like a whole bunch of like fighter jets all at once were supposedly uh annihilated by cardboard drones yeah provided to ukraine from australia box yeah. Yeah, it was literally they had sent like a bunch of Amazon boxes through the air with like a little tiny motor on them. I don't know, delivering uh, like a like a bunch of uh, plastic bottles that have, uh, I don't know, dry ice and water in them <laughs> and just took out like, I think like a hundred million dollars for the fighter grass. I don't know the, the, the price of them. It's way too much money to put in an airplane to kill uh, other people but uh that's it's insane to show like that uh this technology and dumb technology will change warfare as we really understand it, it doesn't make sense to have a hundred and you know a hundred million dollar aircraft or a 50 million dollar aircraft that could be dis- destroyed with something that has two-day f- shipping for free <laughs> on it. Yeah, I think I think we might need to do like a Geneva Convention 2.0, like around drones at some point, just because they're terrifying. Uh, you know, can you imagine the the drone swarms? You know, you know, you got three hundred drones in the air. You know, you're there's there's no way they're absolutely going to hit their target. Um, you know, we've got the uh, the the rumored humanoid uh, soldier that can run. Um, faster than a person and it never tires uh you know like our our tiny little robot dogs that are crawling through uh, little openings in houses to assassinate people and uh you know now just totally silent um weaponized ai enabled uh, backpack drones that uh can hover over you know their opponents uh without detection so uh yeah everything's fine everything's cool don't worry about it everything's great this is why I cling to my idea of the mountain drones, because I have to believe that somewhere in this mess, drones can be used for something beautiful, and that is lighting up mountainscapes at nighttime. By crashing into them and causing no, massive no. forest fires? You think these these are crashing, these drones? Lindsay's. Oh, these drones are going to crash. They're going <laughs> to yeah. crash right into people's eyeballs. But, yeah, but my intention... Here's, here's the problem, okay? All right. You start... Lindsay's peace drones.com. Okay. A mountain drones, uh, dot com for, for peace. Okay. Of the Hudson Valley. Uh, <laughs> the Hudson Valley. And, um, and within two generations, 
okay, your progeny are going to be the next Raytheon. They're going to be, uh, you know, uh, they'll have taken all of all of your advances, you know, from the 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 twenty thirties, okay, and uh, it'll it'll be on on the battlefield in twenty one hundred. I, I guarantee it. Okay, they're going to be fighting, uh, you know, the Martian space forces, you know, uh, with with your with your mountain drone technology. It's it's a problem. Can we all just get along and use drones for good? Yeah. Well, uh, Whoa. <laughs> that's uh, that's about it for us uh, today. We want to thank Nicole again for editing this week's episode. We'll be back in your feed at some point soon with another mystery guest. We'll see you then, folks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tagging along, Jake. Thank you. You lead them for a meal. You can burn my motors till they're gone. Or you can tell my spinner you'll have him for your dinner. Or laugh about my lipos on the phone You can tell my switch That links are just a bitch You can tell my forks to scrape the floor Or you can tell the rev Just what a fool I've been I won't be showing movement anymore But don't break my bond My achy breaky bond I just don't think you'll understand That if you break my bond my achy breaky bar, it might take years to put it back.